Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's live stream of It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our celebration of Pride Month with a discussion about a fanfic. So we're going to be discussing the Dustyell fanfic, 91 Whiskey. We are going to be spoiling it. So if you haven't read this and you are watching this or you join, that's why I have spoilers on the bottom, then you may want to leave. I don't know if you care or don't care. (laughs) Uh, But before I introduce my panelists, a couple of quick notes. Number one, our support of the show has changed a little bit. Like if you want to support us, I was trying to do it where I didn't realize they were going to just stop our monthly monthly supporters when they started the subscription thing, but they did without telling me. So if you were a monthly supporter and you got an email saying we're no longer taking support, that's not completely true. It's just that it's changed a little bit. So you can support the show now by subscribing today. So it's just $2.99 a month. That's it. And that's the only level we have. And you can help us continue to provide content that you've come to love like this, like our live streams, plus 50% is still split between one Black Lives Matter organization and one Stop Asian Hate organization. And it will also come with bonus content. So right now, it used to be available to everyone, but right now, the bonus episode that Carla and I did, where we just talked about Christian effing bail is now only is a subscriber only content. So you can only listen to that wonderful, beautiful, beautiful short episode. If you subscribe, you'll also get a shout out on our live streams. So on this, you'd get a shout out. So the whole world could know that you are supporting us. And then after six months of continued support, you will get the chance to either be on an episode, which includes possibly a live stream or you can determine the topic of an episode within limits. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to introduce my panel, and they can tell me one thing that they're into right now in pop culture. Start with you, Carla. Hi, I am Carla, and this week, or rather today, I am into pretending that I'm going to skip nine, that I'm going to skim 91 whiskey, and instead just reread the whole thing because I was going to just, you know. Oh, I'll just skim through some parts just to, you know, soak myself back into the world. And it's, it, it didn't happen. It's, it's just me rereading the whole thing and being like, oh, my God, what happens next? Even though I've read it like 30 times. <laughs> yeah, I skimmed, but <laughs> time. But I was wondering if you were going to reread the whole. What's what number are you up to? Like, how many times have you read this? Like, why bother counting? I mean, <laughs> at, at this point, it's just. It's just me making myself sad that I'm I'm that I only have so much life before I can no longer read 2091 whiskey. It's <laughs> funny. And Judy, what are you into right now? Well, I too have been rereading <laughs> 91 whiskey, but um I, I did the same thing. I'm like I I skipped to the end. I'm like I'll just read the last 
couple chapters. Nope, got to do it. So I had to start all over. I'm reading through it and I'm up to chapter 17. So I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't quite make it. But you know, since I read the end first, I remember what happens. And everything. <laughs> but no, really, really what I'm into is the new Loki, like probably everybody else. Um, the first episode came out this week. I will not spoil anything, but it set it up. Like it looks like it's going to be really fun and exciting. I can't wait. And Meg, what are you into? Uh, yeah, so I thought I was going to be smart. I'd be like, you know what? Twitter has a 91 whiskey bot. And I already followed them. And I was like, I'll just go through the bot and I'll get some highlights, you know, some quotes and stuff just to kind of like the idea that I need to refresh my memory on it is hilarious because I finish it and then I almost immediately want to start it up again because I'm a garbage person. But yeah, so I was looking at the bot and yeah, like Judy and Carla, I'm just reading it again now. <laughs> so, but other than that, I started watching um, Why Women Kill on Paramount Plus. And it is a hoot. Like, it's a dark comedy. It's a drama. It's, I'm not a, usually a huge fan of Jennifer Goodwin, but she's in it and she does a real good job. So, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Get that true crime in there. <laughs> exactly right. It was just, it's like, it's different time periods and true, but it's not true crime. It's, it's, it's a, it's a fiction, but I'm like, yeah, I totally see why. Oh, it's a fiction. Okay. Okay. See, I thought it was like an, <laughs> Is that a bin? No, it's not a bingo space. Maybe it <laughs> no, it's it's not a docu series or anything. Oh. It's not the Pierce. It's not the Pierce Morgan thing. Oh, okay. Um, See, I, I was thinking it was like one of those. No, I was no. thinking it was one of those like TLC, not TLC, but um, I can't remember the station that does the like, ID. All those crime. Yes, thank you. Yes. No, it's it's on Paramount Plus, and it's a fiction, and it's Jennifer Goodwin, Lucy Liu, and. Um, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember her name, but she was on The Good Place. She was the... Uh, anyway, um, but it takes place in three different time periods and it's oh, each yeah, of their stories. Yeah, okay. And it's it's really fun. Okay. And then Tanya, what are you into right now? Uh, yeah, so I'm into starting six different books at the same time and stressing out about not finishing them, which is very normal. But I will say I'm going to shout out for Hap and Leonard, which is by based on a series of books by Joe Lansdale. And I don't know how I missed this show. It's all on Netflix now. It's uh, six episodes a season. And it's really, it's really interesting. I don't even know how to describe the genre. It's kind of like amateur detectives in a very racially segregated and racist part of Texas, which... Yeah. Um, and, and it's about two best friends who are very different from each other in terms of social statuses and them kind of going through these different escapades. But it's sort of dark comedy, maybe a little bit as well. And anyway, yeah, I'm reading those books. And I watched I had to binge the whole uh, series because it was one of those like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? So and it only takes, you know, 18 hours of dedicated sitting on your butt time. So <laughs> it's great. And if you get thirsty, during that time um, and, and during this episode, because you might, as we're talking about some thirsty topics, you know, I recommend the It's a Fandom Thing water bottle from uh, Redbubble. And I just also want to say you should buy this because then you can do things like go to events now that we're starting to open up again and everything. And you can say things like, I came here to do two things, kick water and drink ass. And I'm all out of ass. 
love you so much. I even <laughs> unmuted myself for that one. I even <laughs> unmuted myself to laugh because oh, nice. that's and that joke is of the same par of what we get from Dean and ninety one whiskey too, which is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've literally told some of the jokes from that in in other contexts and thought, I wonder if anyone will know where I got this from because I don't necessarily like uh yeah talk about fanfic in my professional life but i've told the scarecrow joke so always i personally <laughs> love cass's one joke the best the cross <laughs> between a joke and a rhetorical question <laughs> <The best. Yeah. laughs> that's a good one <laughs> Uh, and this is Aaron. And what I'm into right now is on Spotify, there's a Queers Folk playlist. So that has music that was in the show. And sadly, if you watch uh, Queers Folk on Showtime or anywhere where it's not the DVDs, sadly, you are not going to get the music that was original, but that was originally on it when originally aired, which is very sad because like you don't get the proud song. You don't get a lot of really great music that if you ever went dancing all the time, you'll listen to it and you'll want to go to a club like instantly. So I highly recommend that. Okay, so let's get into 91 Whiskey. And I just want to go around first and ask, I know everybody loves this fix, so I don't have <laughs> anything of saying, do you like this? Um, <laughs> so what were your first impressions? I kind of already know. What were your first impressions, Carla, when you read this fix? Well, when I, when I first, I, I, okay. So a friend of mine was talking about this fic that has gone on for ages and it gets posted so slowly. I was like, Oh, tell me what it's called so I can check it out. And, I got, you know, she sent me the link and that was Lauren from sort of brilliant podcast. And so I start reading it. Well, I actually, I look at, at you know, what it's about and it's, it's uh, a war set fic. And I was like, uh, cause I'm not, I don't really do war stuff. And I'm like, I'm not really interested. So I thought, okay, well, I, I'm not going to enjoy this too much, but she says it's good. So I'll give it a try. Instantly hooked, instantly hooked. It is one of the best written just pieces of literature period any genre any medium it doesn't matter this is just one of the best pieces of literature you, you could ever read it is so well researched and the characters have very specific voices and very they're very well fleshed out and i cannot recommend it enough if somebody's out there and hasn't read it i don't care if you've watched the show or not you don't have to have watched the show it is excellent as a standalone and you should definitely give it a try you will not regret it i mean you might regret it <laughs> it hurts <laughs> only if you're friends with us because then we will torture you with you know saying hey sweetheart whenever we feel like it or just being like it feels like this and then you'll just be a puddle of tears and just you know but other than that i mean just don't talk to me ever again just read the fic that's all i want <laughs> Never talk to me again, but read the fic. So and Carla, I point out, yes, Carla is okay with losing friends as long yes. as they discover the fic. Listen, I'm just here to make the world a better place. <laughs> I don't need to make friends to do that. I'm here to improve people's lives, and if it takes me losing a, a friend over it, I will take that. And then Judy. Okay, so a lot of there's like a there's a fanfic trifecta and um almost all fics have one or two of these three and very few of them have all of them there's it's well written 
like the grammar's good, all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's a good story and it's in character. Lots of lots of fanfics have two or one of those three, but they're missing the third. And when when you find a fic that has all three, grab it and hold on to it and read it again and again. <laughs> and this is one of those. I I just love it. Um, we'll talk about characterization in a little bit, but um, it was just a joy to like to read that fic, and you just become so immersed into it. As Carla mentioned, it's so well-researched. Um, the fact that the author, she obviously did extensive research and then she put these characters that we already know and love into the actual movements and battles and everything of the 116th. So we just really get to experience, um, you know, not just the Dean and Cass story, but we get to experience this brutality of combat and the miserable conditions and the dirt and the grime and the cold and even the smell like when they all take off their shoes i'm just like <laughs> um yeah it's raw and it's terrible just like war but it's just beautifully beautifully done beautifully written um such a great story from from the combat point of view and from the characters um and from a, a personal note i was stationed in germany with the fifth corps so every time that, you know, they mentioned like V-Core movements and what V-Core is doing, I'm like, hey, that's my group. That's my group. And it's kind of cool to see what what they did during World War II. So, um, yeah, I really like that about it. And then one of the other things I both love and kind of simultaneously hate <laughs> um, about uh, the fic and Supernatural is the constant um, push-pull of of the dean and cast story you know they they make a little progress and then they take two steps back and they get close and then they pull back and then they get closer and something else you know separates them and just on and on and on um so that constant just pendulum of their relationship is very much like canon you know, the same thing happens on, on Supernatural, um, but that's kind of a fascinating, to me, part of um, of this thing. Yeah, so I just love it. Um, and the other thing that I love, it's, it's reminiscent of the, their canon relationship, um, is that they're just these two soldier, soldiers who are just constantly fighting a war. You know, in canon, they're 14 years long. They've been fighting wars, fighting wars constantly and getting closer so yeah, I just I love the parallels to to supernatural and as a standalone story, I think it does amazing. And then Tanya, wait a minute! <laughs> oh my God, I'm sorry. And Meg, I really that's I know, because every it's because I know it's the been way a while. It's played out. I know it's been a while. I can't believe you would censor my wife. Like I'm so offended. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Meg, I did not mean to do that. It's my eyes are just naturally like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Meg. No, it's <laughs> uh, yeah. So my first impression of this fic was it's going to hurt a lot. And I was very, very correct. It hurt a lot. And it didn't even necessarily like, hurt because of Dean and Cass. Like there's a lot of angst and, and pain 
between with that relationship. And we'll talk, I think we can talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but the, the writer, the author, Como de Bits, did such a good job with making us care about all of these side characters. And I think that's also something we'll talk about in a little bit, but we're in a war and with that comes loss and casualty and the grief and the loss and the pain and the anxiety um, is written really, really well. And I completely agree with Judy when she talks about those are usually three things in fix. Um, and I will say 91 whiskey ruined me for most fanfics to be perfectly honest. And on top of that, Destiel has ruined me for any other shows, fan fictions. We're so blessed to have such talented, amazing fic writers in this fandom that it's like, I feel so bad sometimes reading other ones and I'm just like, this isn't right. Um, but Carla, Carla is the one who made me start reading this. Then we started a support group group chat with some of our other friends who were reading it at the same time. And it was the opposite of support. It was just like randomly spewing lines from the fic that would it's hurt bullying. people. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like how we bullied you, Aaron, into doing this. <laughs> but it, it would be be like, hey, we're just going to say, hey, sweet, or, hurt, or just any random little line from the fic. And there'd be seven people in that group being like, how dare you? And I feel like that's why we all seem to have perpetually been reading it over and over again, because it would remind us. Well, it's kind of like, like we're vampires and we're starting a colony. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I got bitten and so I'm fighting all my friends and they're fighting all their friends. It's okay. It's either a vampire colony or an MLM type um, mm -hmm. selling thing. Yeah. Uh, and I did, I do want to mention what Bailey said about one of her favorite things is the way the yeah, war drives the plot. And that is absolutely so true. And I feel like that's where it's kind of similar to the show because the show is just going along and Destiel was never meant to happen within the show. And it's just like, no, love will happen and we don't care. <laughs> but yeah, that's my, that's my first impression. I'm very brief. <laughs> Thanks for noticing me. I'm going to change my name to Afterthought. <laughs> I totally was because that's the way my eyes go. <laughs> I know, but I'm totally just going to tease you about it. I mean, that's I fine. I, I understand. It's hard to look away from from me. I mean, it's I just have a shining. You are glorious. Yeah. I drank you so are much glorious. coffee. It's just not to mention Thor behind you. I'm glorious. That's beautiful. <laughs> Okay, so Tanya. Um, yeah, so I, okay, now down to like actual business here. Um, I'm sure <laughs> that I heard about this from Judy and, and y'all um, on on doing a podcast. So it's, you've definitely, I'm part of the, the group now, I guess. I got the MLM. I'm a new, I'm a new, this at the lowest level of the pyramid member and I've got to get my 10 people to read it. Um, Carl's so like I, at the yeah, top. Yeah. She's then driving. Then I already got my my blue and and green Cadillac. It's not a Cadillac. It's oh a tank. yes, yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. just oh, driving God. around in a tank. I, I think it should be a Vespa and a sidecar, personally. But um, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> but 
Um, yeah, I, what I liked about it, I think Judy had a really great characterization. And I, I just want to preface this by I do read fan fiction, but I'm not necessarily I'm, I always say I'm somewhat agnostic about shipping. Um, I, I definitely see this ship and I understand it, but I don't I don't need to have it be canon always. So I just I like to kind of characterize that because I think that this was so great. And I think it helps to know that even if you're not the biggest shipper in the world who will read everything, this was amazing. This could absolutely have been, it's, it's so rare to find a fic that both fits the world and the characters, but is an AU and an alternative universe. And I like those because I like to see what writers can do with that. Um, but that could also stand alone and not, not reference the source material. It could absolutely be its own thing. For those of us who have read, or I'm sorry, who have watched Supernatural, um, you know, there's a lot of insider knowledge and little references that we pick on, pick up on, which is always fun. And the other thing I'll I'll add is that I love it when I learn something um, from reading a, you know, something that was just meant to be for funsies, right? For um, coming down from reading all my depressing statistics that I have to read for research, um, and it just I feel like I learned a lot about World War II, frankly, in this particular campaign, just through the the amount of research that was done for this. And I actually looked up a few, like I was I was curious about this because I actually heard years ago, I'll just say this and then I'll move, we'll move on. Um, years ago in grad school, I remember being at a seminar and someone saying something about World War II was like a national coming out experience um, because men were over the gender segregation led a lot of people to have an opportunity to you know explore those relationships um, and and not have as much uh, oversight maybe or social oversight or a little bit of looking the other way about it and I'm not I'm not at all trying to like diminish the experience someone characterized it that way and I thought, that is really interesting. But at that time, I didn't have time to go look at research. And when I was reading this, um, it made me think of that. So before the the session today, I went and looked up if that was accurate. And I, I did find some research. Um, there's apparently a really good book called Coming Out Under Fire, which is about U.S. Um, service people and being uh, same-sex identifying with their their attraction and that was also made into a film in the 90s and what's interesting about it is the book and the film came out during the don't task don't ask don't tell um history in our in our military um there's a british one called queen and country by emma vickers and that's from 2015 and there's one about australia called a homosexual institution same-sex desire in the army during world war Two and that's from 2013. So I just think it's I I just wanted to add that there's um, increased attention to actual trying to include that history and and talk about what those experiences um, were like or would have been like looking at actual first uh, firsthand history records. So there you go. A Tanya drops academic stuff so you can feel good about um <laughs> listening to a talk about a fanfic you're not the only one every time i read this or any other one that's like set in history i keep another tab open so i can look up stuff words that i hear or places i have a map open that i can i can trace where they're going on <laughs> each of the cities well, so yeah I'm, like, actually, I'm a nerd too 
There actually is an interactive map. I'm not sure if it's finished. An interactive map for 91 Whiskey that goes through the campaign and kind of references the chapters. Very cool. Um, in there, and that's really, really cool. I can't remember if it's finished or not, um, but it's it's really Did you just make it with, like, Google Maps I, or something? I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I can't remember what it's made for. Um, I loved World War... I loved World War II. You know, it's my favorite war! <laughs> <laughs> Besties. Uh, no, I was. I've always been really interested in World War II. One of my um, and one of the things that really hit me. I and I forgot to say this when I was reading this is. Um, so they do storm Omaha Beach, and one of my dear dear friends who's since passed away, um, he stormed Omaha on D Day, and when Saving Private Ryan came out he had never talked about war. He had never, ever, he was 19 when he joined or he lied, but he was 19 on D-Day and he never talked about it. Saving Private Ryan came out and that's all he wanted to talk to me about. Like I was doing a school project and I interviewed him and then that's all we would talk about. It was his, his time in the war and reading this fic, I mean, watching Saving Private Ryan is one thing, but reading this fic and, and reading a lot more of the internal dialogues of what, is going on while this horror is happening really hit home a lot harder for me than I think it would have had I not spent hours and hours talking to someone who was there and feeling like I was back in his head with his, like this visceral terror. Um, And I thought it was just, I thought it was just amazing. Um, And it was so well-written and so heartbreaking wanted to add like I, I agree and I think just it's important to kind of acknowledge that there was so little acknowledgement of, of P- they didn't really understand PTSD they didn't understand mental or they yeah. didn't acknowledge it and so men and gender roles were so screwed up and and hurtful in terms of like not being not allowing people to process it but yes the Normandy invasion was really interesting to read I have a great great uncle who was there that day um, and unfortunately, I was too young to have um, gotten to like talk about it. But the whole idea of like never talking about it and that just being um, not something you discuss. My my grandfather was in the Pacific um, side of things at the very end, but in parts of Asia right and Japan right after the the bombs have been dropped. And it's it's challenging because even talking about it, there was a, there was definitely a framing and there's a, like, you do not talk mm-hmm. about this stuff. You talk about this stuff. Um, yeah. Well, and at my, at my friend's funeral, um, his son, he had seven sons. He lost his only daughter. And I think my, might be why we connected so well. Son thanked me for that project I did because his dad had been holding on to it for like over 50 years. And then once the dam broke, he just all the time and, he, and there were all these stories and his was a very heartbreaking, horrifying story that I won't really get into here. Um, but to finally have that release and to finally be able to say that, cause his son was just like, he never, ever, ever talked about it with anybody. Um, Meg and I in, in our little support group slash bullying group, um, we have a friend who's actually, she's, she's German and she lives uh, near some of these places where what happens in um, in 91 Whiskey takes place. And so she became super interested 
in in all of the history. So she started doing like a bunch of research and really, you know, looking more deeply into um, kind of like following the map, yep. so to speak, and, and and trying to to see, oh my gosh, like you know, the way that they describe this town, the way that this person has written all of this, it just captures it perfectly. And she started looking for um, like pictures of pre-war and then she would go by and, and and she would send me pictures. She's like, I'm standing where, you know, like this happened. And, you know, it, it's, it's, I can only imagine that for her, it's also just a really cool thing of being able to be in the place where this story is taking place. And that, that just goes to show not only the fact that it's a, a cool thing, but that creative expression and writing can be so powerful and it can, uh, lead you to connect with yourself and with the places where you are in a whole different way. And I think that's just like the magical power of of um, of art in general. That's actually one of the things that kind of like I sort of connected with having been in Germany. When I got to Germany, I was 19. I didn't know or care about history. You know, it was it's it was over and done with. It was certainly not something that was important to me. But being there in the place where you're literally surrounded by history. You cannot get away from it. I mean, there's, you know, down the road, there's Roman ruins. And the town that I lived in, I remember talking to um, the secretary of our office was German, who had, you know, always lived in Zweibrücken. And there were um, two buildings in, in the town. One was a church and just across the street from the church was a Gasthaus, like a little hotel. And they were like sunken. Like if you go to the, if you're walking around town, they're like six steps down to go to those two buildings. And they're the only ones. And I was asking her, you know, why are those two buildings sunken? And she said, they're not. They're the only things that were left standing after World War II. So we just crushed down the rubble and built the rest of the city on top of it. So the whole city is on six feet of rubble. And so just when you're just surrounded by history like that, everywhere you go, it's it's just a part of the the lifeblood of the people of Germany. It's I got I got much, much more interested in it. And, you know, this fic just kind of brought all that right back. I, I just love listening to everyone talk about it because I told our panelists before we started, I, I've read this fic. I've read it. I It was Carla who who forced it upon me. She didn't force it upon me. <laughs> because as I've mentioned before on here, I used no to, I used to ship Destiel and then I stopped, but I still read fanfic with them. Um, even though I'm very selective about it because of the way Dean is portrayed. I actually disagree 99 with 99% of the fic out there in Destiel, as far as the way he's portrayed. Um, and she turned me on to this one and I did, I really did like it. Uh, what I really like about this fic, though, more than the fic itself, is the impact that it has had on other people that have read it. And I think that is so powerful because people like to laugh at fanfic and people like to make fun of fanfic and people like to think that that's not serious writing or that's not serious art and people just think it's just porn. And yes, this fic does have graphic sex scenes in it. But it's about a lot more than that. And most fic, good fic out there is a about a lot more than just that. But I, I just, I think that that's what's so powerful about this one personally. 
and there are a few others that fit into this too, is the impact that it has had on everybody. And I think if people were to read this, people that scoff at fanfic, that, that, you know, turn their noses up at it and think, oh, that's not serious writing and that's not what real writers do. If you were to read this, I think you would see that as complete BS. And you would find that there are some truly talented writers out there. And this isn't just an anomaly that this actually is the way a lot of fanfic is written is really well. I mean, there are some writers out there that could do a better job than the writers of the show, than the writers of the movie, than the writers of whatever it is. Absolutely. And so I just really want to make sure to just say that because I just, it really irks me. And I know I used to think that way years and years ago. I was like, what is fanfic? And I think it's because I only read certain ones that were like not really necessarily polished. But when you really do a deep dive and you really look at it, and I think I agree, Supernatural does have some of the best fanfic writers out there. And so when you really do your research, you will find that this this stuff is not just frivolous and it helps a lot of people. And so I just applaud all the fanfic writers out there because really it's, it's a lot to put yourself out there, even if you're not putting your real name, but, but I just wanted to make sure to say that. So all you fanfic writers out there, please know that what you are doing is amazing and what you are doing for people that are fans of certain ships and certain shows that never, ever get to see their ships become reality also means a lot. So just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I just want just to pop up. I think one of the most impressive things about this fan fiction, um, and I can't be 100% sure, but I'm 99% sure I read this from the person who wrote it. Um, I believe there were 15 when they started writing this. And to have that kind of maturity and that voice at 15 is just, it blows my mind. So the I'm shocked. I I pictured a 30 year old whenever I did too. Yeah. Yeah. This person was, was a and they, young young writer. Wow. And they have since left. Wow. They've actually left the fandom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they just, I think they left about four years ago after the last uh, timestamp for this fic. Wow. Wow. That's, that's even more impressive. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say like, absolutely. I think that it's, uh, I think saying you read fanfic for the plot is sort of like people saying they read penthouse for the articles, but, <laughs> but it's true. And the thing is the, the, the sexy times are, are something if they, for me, if it fits the story and it helps drive the story, I'm okay with that. And as long as it's done well and like respectfully, I'm good. And so I wanted to say, like, I, I agree with what Aaron was saying about the the stereotypes of around, Oh, it's just, Porn. And if you want to find that, you can. <laughs> if mm-hmm. you want to find some that involves junior mints, you can. If you want to read about hot tamales uh, or some dots being used in. I love that your area of your desk right now is just like an eight year old dream. Like you just have yeah. boxes yep. of candy. And, and I'm, I'm just like, like I'm just hey, like, Tanya, would you be cool with me visiting? Like, I have, yeah. I have yeah. a. A pride lizard my daughter painted for me. Oh, that's cool. So I don't have, it's not edible. It's I'm not nearly a turtle. <laughs> Yay. It's a green screen. Well, <laughs> you said that you were going to be on video live streaming and I came prepared. Buttercups. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cute. 
Thank you. Um, no, that's I. I was giving my wonderful husband some crap about bring me chocolate because they went ran errands and I did taxes stuff this morning and he brought this. He brought me all of this candy. <laughs> so bless him. Get yourself that's a good husband. Get yourself one of those. Yeah. Um, I did have a point in there somewhere and I think I lost it, but that's okay. I this plot. I'm. I'm. Oh, that was it. This fic is how many words it's not just a novel it's a couple of novels it's something like four and it's yeah it's about I was, half a million words yeah i was frustrated because um i i did the goodreads reading challenge and i read this probably at least twice last year and i read uh, a couple other ones that were very epic in scope and also very very good uh, and i could not add them on goodreads so excuse me um, we need people to add these on goodreads so they can count in our reading challenge because i definitely met it if you include this yeah so that said you can you can probably like if you don't like that part of fic you could probably like skip through it and the plot and everything else is still amazing i do think it's really important though because it is it makes a lot of sense like it, it, to me and also i found in reading fanfic often the more explicit works are better written mm -hmm. well i think with this one in particularly i think it's kind of hard to say you should skip over because i i understand some people don't want to necessarily read the sex scenes but what's so great about this is even those scenes um put the plot forward like the emotional connections that they make and how Cass Cass's panic after every single one and, and his terrible behavior after every single one it's all really important and part of driving their their story forward not necessarily the story of the war but their story forward and I think it's hard to get that without understanding what's going on in Cass's head during it and then his absolute panic attacks afterward. Yeah. Well, and speaking of Cass, let's get to that, how Cass is characterized in this, in this fic. Um, so Carla, what do you think about the way Cass is characterized? I think he's written just so well. It, it, the fic really captures pretty much everything that you see of the show well, you know, the better parts of it, because I think that the writers of the show constantly let, let cast down. They're constantly under um, undermining his growth and constantly, just, just like they do with, with Dean, you know, like they, they write a character so well, and then they just go and blow it up for no good reason other than, hey, we can't think of anything better to do. But this is where fanfic really does take over and forward a story far better than the actual writers do sometimes. And in this fic, all of the the classic cast things are there. The the initial uh, rigidity and his um, the fact that he's he's pretty much made for this role, but he still kind of pushes back and says, "Well, no, I, I think that we can do this differently. We can do this better." He's a, a different um, military officer than his fellow officers he treats his people as people unlike some of the other officers who who treat them poorly and who don't really understand that hey they might have an off day or hey they, they might need to screw around a bit um and then at the same time like he's also more rigid than like a lot of other people but in different ways so it, it's all of these things that we love about Cass 
because he is so uh, quirky in his own ways, where you can't really pin, pin him down as being just stuck up and rigid. You can't pin him down as just being a loose cannon and a screw up. And he is like in in many ways more human in uh, on the show as an angel. He's in ways in some ways more human than a lot of the human characters that they have. Um, and you also have the fact that because this this fic is set in the 1940s and in 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 a wartime and you know among war people, he's he's very closeted. He's very scared of having his secret discovered, and he really tries to um, to be one of the the dudes. You know, like they're they're watching the movie projections, and he's trying to pay attention to the to the girl on the screen. And all he really wants to do is stare at Dean. The most unrealistic part about this whole thing is that not everyone is wanting to fuck Dean. Right, <laughs> we know of. Right. Yeah, that's true. We're only in we're only in one brain. Right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, and so he has like a lot of internal stuff that he's fighting with, and it's true also for Cass on the show. Like he's constantly at odds with how he was trained, how he was brought up, so to speak. So, um, and there, are, you know, the, the way that he's that he starts to kind of not crumble but like his walls start to come down for dean and only for dean but just like in the show dean breaks down Cass's walls and start makes him start questioning a lot of things about you know like why am i doing it this way like why am i approaching things like this it's it, it those parallels to what happens on the show are there and i think that that it's absolutely masterful that that this writer wrote their own story with elements of this show and yes well you can see like the the bare bones structure of the show in it they built you know a whole city around it and it's beautiful it's amazing it is an absolute feat of just talent and creativity and insight to get into these characters who are so beloved and to to really um, honor them so well and to also bring them to realizations and to let them be open in a way that they're not allowed to be canonically on the show and again you know go back to the to the fact that the writer was 15 when they started and you know that's just it, it makes it all the more impressive because it really it really shows that you can't put an age limit on insight um, because it, it's, you can have writers of any age, like 20, 30, 40, 50 years older than that, who will never bring a character to life like Komodo Bits brings these two. But with Cass in particular, I like that the focus was on Cass, not just because I'm a Cass girl, I promise, but also because for this particular story, his was the more interesting um, POV um, because in a way he has, he does lose the most. Um, he loses his best friend, Anais. He loses 
you know, he doesn't really have anybody to come home to. He doesn't have anything really. And Dean is, uh, okay, I'll get to Dean later, but, but I just get very excited when I, when I think about the writing in this and, and, and how, yes, I do a little song and dance inside my head, Meg, you know how I do. Um, but I, I get very excited thinking about how because Cass is so closed up and you don't get any insight into him unless you are inside his head, that makes it more interesting for a story like this. Whereas I think with Dean, he's just he's pretty much putting his heart out there at like every turn. So it's 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 like, okay, well we know that. But with Cass, everything's going on inside his head and I'm just like so in love with it. And then Judy, what are your thoughts on Cass in this? Um, well, I too am a Cass girl. <laughs> um, so whenever you're reading an AU of Cass, they always have to change his personality a bit, right? Because Cass in canon, he's a bazillion-year-old celestial being, superpowers, um, who's you know just arrived on Earth for the first time in God knows how long. And so he's total fish out of water. Um, so, you know, in, in an AU, he's born a human. He's grown up as humans. He's lived a life. So he, he, he you have to change his personality some. Um, so you're, you know, you're never going to get 100% supernatural cast in an, in an AU fic. Um, but I think that Komodo Bits did a great job with him. Um, so like in the first half of the fic, he's old Cass, um, but he's so, he's so frustrating. Um, but you understand what he's going through. Like he's living in a time when it's not only illegal to be gay, you can be killed. Um, you can have your life ruined, your career ruined, um, you know, and especially caught falling for a subordinate. Like he is, that's really, really bad. Um, on top of that, he has the weight of the world on his shoulders, this immense responsibility to try to keep 300 men alive in just the most insane circumstances. Um, you know, and he, the guilt and the torture of having to push these men into a war zone and, and complete the mission when he, he just knows every single time they're not all coming back and he's going to lose them. And every single one of them is just more guilt on his soul and more guilt on his soul. And that reminds me of Supernatural Cass, you know, after how guilty he feels about what happened with heaven and what he did with the angels and just the weight that he carries around. So I love the way that she, um, she brought that, that just sense of the weight of the world that, that, Cass carries onto his shoulders, onto his shoulders. That was just beautifully done. Um, and in order to do the job that that Cass is tasked to doing, you know that like like I said, sending these soldiers into war, um, the army the army actually teaches you and, and forces you, and you have to just like keep it all inside. You know, as we kind of touched on a little bit before, like that whole. You don't talk about it. You have to keep it internal. You're not allowed to express those feelings or weaknesses, especially in a leadership position. Um, there, you don't have the luxury of 
of breakdowns or anything like that. Um, not when you have all these men's lives at stake and counting on you. So um, I think it's gotten a little bit better, you know, in the military nowadays, but boy, it was, I, I, I imagine it was just so, so difficult back then. Um, and I believe that both our Canon casts and uh, 91 Whiskey casts both um, experienced PTSD from lots of different wars that they have fought in um, and that they never admitted to it or did anything about it to, a, to address it. And it just weighed on them. And that, that we get Cass's point of view in this, I love, because we don't really get that so much in canon Supernatural, but we get so much of, we get to see his internal battles and what he's going through and how he's dealing with it all. And, oh gosh, just poor Cass. Um, and he spends so much time just being consumed by his fear of war and his fear of relationship and the guilt of what's going on with all of his men. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just, it's just a, an amazing parallel. I love that. The one, the one thing that I, I do kind of think that's a little bit different um, is like our canon cast is just this kind of fearless. He's always going to um, jump into the fire and be the first one to, to face it. And, and maybe that's because we never really get his point of view in, in the show like we do in here. But this, the 91 Whiskey cast is just consumed with fear. Um, but I guess he jumps into the fire too, right? Even though he's consumed with the fear, he jumps right into the fire and, and faces it. So, yeah, I love Cass so much. Um, and really the only thing that seems to, um, that our cast in both situations seems to really fear is losing Dean. Aw. <laughs> Meg, what do you think about? Um, yeah. Oh, I have stuff. I have stuff I want to say because of what Carla and Judy said too. Um, so I honestly, one of the things I found interesting about this fic and which I, made me a little bit hesitant is Cass is a giant asshole throughout almost all of this fic. Like, let's not be real. We under like we understand his point of view. We know this is he's this poor repressed gay boy in the army during war in the forties. But there are some things he does that are unforgivable. Um, sending Dean on a suicide run because he's pissed Dean slept with somebody else when he's being his normal, like, yeah, I want to fuck you, but, oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. I know. I know. I, I was doing so well an hour in. He's just like, he's like, yeah, I want to sleep with you, but also I want to push you away constantly and berate you and make you feel terrible about this. Um, and so Dean is like, you know, eventually I'm not going to keep coming back. And he doesn't, he goes and finds comfort in somebody else because frankly, Dean deserves so much better in this fic than what he gets for most of this fic. And I'll, and that's actually one of the things I kind of love about this being mostly from Cass, Cass's point of view, because it allows Dean to not be the self-hating repressed, internalized homophobic asshole that he is unfairly portrayed at in a lot of other fics. Um, he is much more, he's much more accepting of himself and laid back and very much like, I could die tomorrow. Why am I going to sit here and worry about every other tiny little thing? Whereas Cass is very much hyper-focused and hyper-terrified of everything that's going on. So 
that's kind of my my initial cast little things. And that's why I kind of like that it's from Cass's point of view. Um, and not even necessarily that I think Cass's point of view is necessarily more interesting. I think in the last chapters, when we see these little notes that Dean had been written and discarding, his point of view is just as important. And to watch his journey in those little snippets between that and the letters is just so beautiful. Because <laughs> this is a man who's just falling and falling and falling. And why? he's falling for someone who treats him as terribly as Cass admittedly treats him for a lot of this fic um, is baffling and heartbreaking and beautiful in all sorts of ways. Um, That being said, too much heart has always been Castiel's problem and he cares and loves so much, no matter how much he tries to fight it. And it's such a good parallel for the show from the fic. He really fights caring about, people and caring about humanity and caring about the people underneath him. And it's always a losing battle. And that's what informs so much of his panic and his trauma and his PTSD. He is a walking pile of shivering PTSD jello for a big chunk of this. And he's a fantastic leader, but he cannot see that in himself. And that's very similar to the Castiel from the show, who was a great um, tactician and strategist, but could never actually see that in himself. Um, I thought that was fantastic. And I was going to, oh, and Judy, what you were saying about him, like different from Cass is like Cass is in the mud and the show and everything like that. In the fic, he actually gets talked to by his superiors because they're like, you're the company commander. You're supposed to be in the back in safety, pushing all of your men forward. And you're not supposed to be running around on the front line (laughs) shooting with them. So, like, even in the fic, and I thought that was so wonderful because it's the same in this show. Like, he's not supposed to be getting involved. He's not supposed to be on the front lines. With the mud monkeys. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's not supposed to be doing that. And he just cannot help himself. He doesn't feel right if he's not with his people and with his men. And I feel like that's so much of his redeeming qualities because without that, without knowing his heart, without having that internal monologue that we hear from him he could come across as a complete monster in this particular fic as well as honestly in the show (laughs) oh yeah i didn't blame dean at all when he kicked him in the knee i wanted to punch him for half of this fic i I mean as much as i love him but like come on i was so mad when dean kicked him in the knee i was like just because not the knees he needs to run Okay, and then Tanya, your thoughts on how Cass is written. Uh, I agree. I, I actually, I am a little more sympathetic, empathetic to Cass in this because I can kind of see where he's coming from. This guy is very threatening to him as much as, yeah, okay, he's gorgeous and he's just trying to help. Oh, no, really? I get it. I get but it. It's, I just- yeah. <laughs> and I, I've, but I, what Judy said about, it is interesting to consider how AU maintains, um, being in character and this does it and i of course Cass is different he's human he um swears which is always a little bit of my marker for if Cass is in character or not um but i think it's really well done because uh i've always read both canon and uh this this castiel is having some ocd having some anxiety and having self-esteem issues um and as a person who also has that wonderful plethora of stuff Um, I can feel like 
I feel like it's understandable that his self-esteem issues would also be a reason he pushes Dean away because he doesn't want to acknowledge he has needs <laughs> and and should be treated like a person. There's so much responsibility on him for taking care of the people um, in his troop. I forget squadron. I forget what it's what the correct company, word is. Company. company. Thank you. Um, there's yes, there's so much responsibility there. He doesn't feel like he deserves um, to have someone take care of him, which even through the sex is what Dean is doing. Um, and I think that is really interesting because at some point you get to Cass will allow that and that's it. And that's, it's like this weird compromise he tries to make with himself because he's also terrified. So you could kind of also hashtag this, Cass's self-esteem issues and Dean's selflessness issues crashing together in a way that uh, has good and bad um, implications. Um, yeah. I just want to correct quickly, and I'm sorry that I'm correcting actual veterans, but the correct term is war buddies, war mates. <laughs> like war mates. I, I, I know that you my guys might be rusty, and I'm so sorry to correct you, but that's the correct term is war mates good job carla i'm proud of you <laughs> thank I'm you i'm proud of you um and i would just want to point like i am absolutely 100 empathetic to Cass, and i totally understand like that's what i'm saying his internal voice is so crucial to to this fic more so than dean's it's wonderful to see dean's but if you don't know how Cass is feeling if you don't have that internal voice of his talking about his terror and his and and like how is this super sexy man? And he's so arrogant and he thinks he's so special and he wants to do all of this stuff. And I don't understand. And he is so awesome and wonderful. And I just want to love him forever. And he's like the super repressed gay boy. Um, I get it. I, and I am super empathetic to it. I just, I, I realized I was kind of harsh on Cass when I was talking about it, but I love him so much. <laughs> like, there's no, a reason true. I read this over and over again. <laughs> no, but, but it's true because you know what? You, you can be a wonderful fabulous character as you know Aaron and I have discussed many times about Brian Kinney on Queers Folk are you really going to bring opinion. that rubbing the salt oh yes I you? am actually we I already have the Queers Folk <laughs> <bingo> card <laughs> no but but um, with Cass because in this fic it's his his point of view and, and everything is coming from his anxieties and it's very clearly spelled out for you um, and also because he's generally kind to people, but so so there are so many things that that soften those those really sharp edges. Even if you didn't have that that POV, and I think that's what draws Dean to him is that he can tell that this guy is scared stiff. You know, he he goes from from just <laughs> he's scared stiff. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, maybe she won't catch that one, and yet, and yet. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so so he's he's terrified, and and that's clear to Dean because Dean is a really good observer of people, and that's true in the show, and it's true here. He knows that Dean that, that Cass is terrified, like he can spot that a mile out. So he knows that there's like a different intent behind everything. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So more when the Dean portion. And I know Tanya and Judy both have stuff to add. So. Yeah, I, I, one thing I wanted to add about um, Cass, I 
it, it's amazing that Komodovitz was almost prophetic um, in that just like in Canon Supernatural, which happened years after this fic, like Cass was not able to experience happiness to let himself have any happiness until he finally said what he was feeling to Dean. And that's what we ended up getting in Canon. And I just, I love it. Like how prophetic. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, at least in this fic, he was rewarded for it and not sent to super hell and never thought of again. Yes, I'm still better. Yes. Damn um, it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Komodo Bits. Great job. <laughs> I actually just wanted to add that uh, I think that one thing about Cass in the show and characters like Cass is trying to show that they are apart of and apart from at the same time. And I really feel like this fic did a good job of that with his role. He can't, as a commanding officer, he can never, part of why he's being aloof and kind of a, a jerk is he needs to do that to maintain at least a facsimile or, a, you know, a, a semblance of order and that he needs to maintain respect. And I think, um, you know, it's sort of like why you can't ultimately be friends with your boss, like, or, you know, you, or your doctor, like it's, there's, there's a conflict in, of interest there. And so I think they do a good job of showing that a part of, apart from. Um, and to answer Jesse's question, I think, frankly, that they're both pretty hot tamales. Oh yeah, I was going to ask the whole, I was going to ask the whole pod panel because <laughs> Jesse wants to know who you think is hotter, Dean or Cass. I think Dean by a thousand billion billion times, but that's just me. <laughs> Aaron's just like Aaron's just like I'm a Dean girl in a sea of Cass girls right now. I gotta stand up for my man. I mean, no, I will. I I. I'm a cast girl, but I will admit that Dean is the absolute perfect specimen. Like he's stupid, he's stupid hot. Like, I mean, I know what they're not even. Yeah. It's it's Cass is like he's he, he's like human and approachable hot. Dean is just like <laughs> and he's hotter because of his personality. Like I I, I right. love him more and more because yeah. of who he is. And as he ages, he just keeps getting more attractive. And oh, I, I find know. that really unfair. that that cast that burst through those barn doors was about as hot as Dean. I mean, there's like not much. You're saying hotter. Dean keeps getting hot. Oh, Dean gets yes, right. yeah. what is going on Cass there? Cast doesn't age. <laughs> True. I will just add with the way Cass is portrayed in here. I, I with the way Cass is portrayed, one thing that always bugs me in um in the fandom is when people romanticize things like in point of no return, when Cass literally almost kills Dean, who is completely suicidal. That whole I can't watch that episode because I want to punch everybody except for Dean in that episode, because I think everybody is absolutely horrible to Dean in that episode. Um and a lot of people romanticize that alley scene. And there is a scene in this fic that is reminiscent of that scene. And one thing I did appreciate is um, the fact that it didn't feel romanticized to me. It actually felt like showing this is really messed up and this is not okay. And I really appreciated that. And I think a lot of times in fanfic, Destiel fanfic, Cass is painted as this, pardon the pun, angelic being who has no fault and he's so much better than everybody else and i really appreciated that that wasn't the case in this fic because that irritates me to no end 
and I'm not at all saying Dean is perfect because I know Dean's not perfect. But when you have where you have one person that's painted really perfectly and then the other one isn't, it's not as interesting to read, I don't think. So that's one thing I really, really appreciated. I think this fic almost goes the opposite way. Like Dean is almost too much. And we'll get we'll get into Dean in just a minute, but like almost too perfect. And maybe because it's from Cass's point of view and he just, you know, rosy glasses. But I think Dean's a little too perfect in this one. Okay, well, I don't think that's possible. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about Dean. Let's get into Dean. So, Carla, what do you think about the way Dean is in this fit? Let's get into Dean. That's what Cass said. Um, (laughs) Not this fic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Dean, the way that... It it is from Cass's point of view. So he, he goes from seeing this guy as completely obnoxious, super duper hot, but completely obnoxious, undermining his authority at every turn um, to seeing this guy as just a really kind, giving, loving person who wants to take care of people. All of those things are true. All of those things are accurate. But the the degree to which we see that changes as the story goes on because we're seeing it through Castile's eyes. So... Yeah, you, you could argue definitely, and I definitely felt that the first time that I, that I read it, the first time that I read it, which was so long ago, I can't even remember. It was so many times ago. I'm like, oh, I was but a wee lass. Um, and uh, okay, so the first time that that I read it, I was like, yeah, Dean seems a little bit too good to be true. And then you know, after the, the the next few times, it just really strikes me that he, that Cass's point of view for the first like third, no, the first half really of the fic is why would this guy just shut the hell up? You know, if you could just stop it, my life would be so much easier. You know, can we have somebody equally competent, hopefully equally hot, but maybe less mouthy? And he falls in love with Dean, not. I, I wouldn't say in spite of these things, but because he, because he comes to understand where this is coming from and that this is Dean, this is Dean's personality, but it's also part of a personality that seeks to soothe nerves and seeks to make other people more comfortable. And, you know, it, it's not just part of why he's a medic, but it's just part of how he operates. Um, the, the biggest contribution that Dean ends up making is in bringing this levity to the company and bringing this um, lightheartedness and kind of humanizing cast to his men because then they, they come to love and trust him even more than they did before. And they like and they loved him plenty just, bef- you know, before all of this happened um, and they trusted him very much. But that's one of the, the things that I really appreciate about the way that Dean is, Dean is written is that, you're getting this amazing world building and this point of view that is so, it's just so solid and concrete. It feels so real. It feels like you can actually see everything that is happening and you can see the contours of Dean's face, the way that they're lit up um, from a cigarette, the way that, you know, that uh, when Dean is trying to hide the head wound under his helmet, you know, like you, you flinch because it feels so real. And the fact that that you can capture all of this 
through one point of view. It's just pure magic. And all of these these characteristics that we have, you know, the reasons that we love Dean on the show, he he works super hard. He puts so much on himself and we really, uh, we want so much better for him. We want things to be easier for him. And, and you know, he, we want him to have love and to be cherished the way that he deserves to be cherished and to be told, you know, you, you matter, you're, you're valuable outside of your, your skills, you know, and even though we're, we're deprived of this until the end, because as we see through Dean's letters, he's like, what is this guy not getting? You know, why is it that, you know, why am I in love with somebody who treats me like this? You know, like what is wrong with me that I'm, that I'm so attached to this man who is, you know, so awful. And then, well, yeah, but also all of these things that you would have in your mind, if you're, you know, if you're trying to understand your feelings about somebody who is more complicated than you really bargained for. And then realizing, well, damn it, I hate this. I'm in love with him. I hate it. I hate it. I love him. It's, it's, and all of that becomes clear when you see those letters, but all of that is still kind of peeping through Cass's point of view. So you're, you're getting, it's kind of like with, with the, the supernatural show, it's pretty much through Dean's point of view. And this is strictly through Cass's. So it's that, that is where you have like that, uh, those jagged edges meeting and i think that if you hadn't watched the show and you read the fic you still end up coming out with the whole picture because of those letters at the end and i think you know i i, I just i can't imagine what a wonderful experience it must be to not have seen the show and to just read the fic and to be just like wow, this is a whole story. This is like a perfect circle of of, of love and caring and um, frustration and anger and and grief because there's so much grief in this story. You know, when you, part of the reason that, you know, we joke about having a support group because, you know, it's so, it's, there's so many sad things, but really you do leave the story kind of grieving it, you know, and, and uh, grieving the loss of these characters because all you want to do is hold their hands and make things be okay for them. You know, you don't want them to suffer anymore. They've been through so much and all you want is their happiness. And it's a great gift that Komodo Bits has given us to give us a story that makes us feel this vividly and this passionately about just characters. Because, you know, there are many fanfics that I love, many of them that I have deep feelings for but none that i feel as intensely as 91 whiskey i mean this is really the fic that 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 told me you know what you don't have to to settle for for lesser fix because i I would read just about anything before and like meg said this completely ruined me for (laughs) for lesser fix it's it's you know there's something like this that's so amazing and this is just one of so many. And this is part of why I'm constantly pushing people to read it because whether or not you're sold on the show, this story stands on its own two feet. And you don't need anything else 
to help you feel these things for these characters. Yeah. Yeah. Judy. Um, yeah. So Dean, Dean's character, I mean, obviously we, we touched on, he's, he's written just almost too perfect. Like he's just so wonderful. Um, caretaker Dean is, is a, is definitely a canon thing. Um, I mean, Dean always is taking care of Sam and Cass and everybody else. Um, so that's definitely, a, you know, a canon callback. And one of the things that I love about both Supernatural Dean and 91 Whiskey Dean. Um, and like, like Canon Dean, you know, he covers his fear with self-hatred uh, or he covers his fear and his self-hatred uh, um, with jokes and with giving everything that he has to everybody else um, and not taking care of himself. Um, I think that's one of the common things about uh, Dean. He just he he's just gives and gives um, and, and rarely looks internal and takes care of himself. Like I mentioned, I think because it's told from Cass's point of view and Cass just absolutely idolizes Dean, maybe that's why he's just almost too good, um, too patient, too perfect, too funny, too adorable. Um, I mean, I love him. I love the way he's characterized, but I think, you know, that he's just, we don't get to see hardly any flaws in him. Um, like this Dean is very patient with Cass and he's understanding that Cass has the weight of the world on his shoulders. But in canon, we often see Dean, he's short with people, especially Cass and oftentimes Sam too. Um, I mean, I ship DCL hard, but um, there have been so many times in, in the show in canon where Dean has treated Cass just horribly, cruelly. Um, and I was I was so furious that I wanted Cass to just go find somebody who would actually love and value him other than Dean. <laughs> um, even though Dean loves him, he just won't, you know, he's just been cruel in several times. So um, I felt like that was a little bit out of character. And again, maybe it was just because Cass kind of idolizes him. Um, and I, there's times when I felt like their roles were a bit reversed uh, from like Canon Supernatural, um, where Cass is just, uh, with their sexuality, Cass is, you know, he's utterly indifferent to sexual orientation. Um, and he is canonically in love with Dean. Um, and he's even the one who's able to admit it out loud, um, where Dean is the one who's kind of overcompensates all the time, uh, denies himself any kind of attraction to men and, and Cass in particular. Um, so almost that, that piece of them kind of feels reversed. Um, you know, and in 91 whiskey, they have this conversation where Dean is, he's like, okay with their relationship and wants to try to figure out a way to make it work. Um, and wants Cass to be his future. Um, and, and, Cass is the one who's, you know, consumed by his fear of his own queerness and what could happen, um, where, you know, the opposite um, is actually the case, where um, in, in Supernatural, Cass figures it out and, and overcomes his fear, um, you know, and tells, tells Dean that he's in love with him, where, you know, Dean never does... Uh, let himself reciprocate. 
So I don't know. I think that that, that little, that piece was kind of the opposite. And um, as far as Dean's characterization, I mean, I loved him, loved the way he was, he was characterized, but it definitely felt um, a little bit too um, idealized compared to what Dean really is in canon. And then Meg. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to disagree with Judy a little bit about Cass idolizing Dean. Um, Cass is very reluctant to be falling in love with this boy. He is so reluctant to have these feelings. That's part of why Cass is kind of a giant dick to Dean in a lot of ways. And he's projecting all of his own pain, all of his insecurity onto Dean. So I don't feel like idolizing is the right thing. He's very resentful that this man is here making him feel these things and making him lose his focus on his job because all he wants to do is kiss this boy. Not just sleep with this boy because there is a difference. There's a difference. And, and he even talks about it. He's like, well, it's one thing to want to sleep with boys. It's something entirely different to want to kiss a boy. Um, and I think he's actually really, really resentful of falling in love with Dean. Um, that being said, this might be my favorite iteration of Dean in anything. Um, because, and I think it's because he gets to be soft. Dean is a caretaker. Dean, having Dean be a medic is the most like obvious choice. I couldn't picture, and I think it's so interesting with some people who just watch the show and they come on and see Dean like, well, of course Dean would be like the best soldier in the world and he'd be shooting everybody and killing everyone. And that's not who Dean is. That's not who he is. Dean is the one taking care of everybody else to his own detriment. And we see that time and time and time again on the show. And it's so easy to put all of his poor choices and poor behavior or, or the way he hurts other people inadvertently as him being careless or anything like that. Um, but he is the opposite. Dean cares so much about everyone, <laughs> about the whole world at, to his own detriment. And I think we see a lot of this in this fic. Like he, I can't remember which battle it was, but afterwards it was a really bad one. And he like just goes off into the woods and sit by, sits by himself and he's just shaking. And he doesn't want anyone to worry about him because it's his job to take care of everybody else. And he doesn't like Cass taking care of him because it's his job to take care of Cass. And he's relentless in his job to take care of people. That's why he tells all those dumb jokes. That's why he keeps playing the like elbow, elbow, yuck, yuck, trying to keep the morale up. And he does it to his own detriment. And that's so, so much like the core character of who Dean is on the show that gets buried underneath all of the performative masculinity and machismo that he has to put out there. And I think it was actually beautiful to see in this story He's very obviously a man's man. He's very obviously like a tough guy. He's well-liked. He's popular. But he gets to be soft. He gets to be that helper. He gets to be who he's meant to be in the show. Because in the show, he doesn't get to be that. He doesn't get to do that. He always has to... He's always under his dad's thumb. And I think what's kind of... And performing to try and take care of his brother. And I think it's so interesting in this fix. Sam is not in... 99% of this fan fiction. Sam is there as letters. Letters to Sam <laughs> is how we get most of Dean's insight and kind of seeing how Dean tries to edit and take care of Sam and while talking about all of the stuff that's going on, will we see what he's really going through? I think it's just so 
well done. And it gives us a lot of insight as into who Dean is based on his letters and then based on Cass's point of view. Because like I said, I just, I don't see Dean as being almost too perfect. I think Dean has his own, Dean has issues in this fic too. Continuing to come back to someone who hurts you relentlessly even when you're like, well, you know, I'm not always going to come back, you know, and then coming right back, like immediately shows how little Dean actually sees himself as worthy. Downplaying the fact that he's a medic because he's not a real soldier is something that kind of breaks my heart. He, we still see that lack of self-esteem in Dean. We still see that self-hatred in him. But what I think is so refreshing is his self-hatred has nothing to do with his sexuality. It has nothing to do with the fact that he's in love with this man. He goes into this war thinking, hey, you know, maybe I can get it out of my system. You know, maybe I can sleep with a few boys, get that taken care of, go home and marry a nice girl, and things will be quote-unquote normal for me. He never counts on Cass, just like Cass never counts on him. As a, Not like they depend on each other and trust each other, obviously, but they never count on having that experience. They don't count on falling in love in the middle of a war zone. Um I just want to say the, the haircutting scene is like maybe one of the softest and most adorable scenes. And then when Dean is like, oh my God, were you getting hot and bothered by me cutting your hair? And Cass is like, do I tell him this or do I tell him um, this was too domestic and I'm too in love with you and this is too perfect. And he's like, yep, yep, I, definitely. I was getting super hot and bothered by a haircut. <laughs> So I totally agree. I mean, I love, love, love his characterization and I love the soft Dean. I just felt like it was slightly out of character because we don't get a whole lot of soft Dean. Dean Dean can be mean and cruel and hard. But I don't think it's out of character for Dean's core. That can be Dean in the show. Who Dean should be and really is in his heart is the Dean. Yeah. Right. But we're not even and like we're not talking about show Dean so much. But when when we're talking about comparing if we're comparing the two um who dean is at his core in this fic and that television show are exactly the same person he's just not tied in the same ways as he is in this show he doesn't have his dad his dad's voice so much in his head constantly like part of the reason he was he was quote-unquote excited to go to war was this is something he chose this was his pick his dad didn't want him to do it he chose to go and become a medic, not just become an infantryman like his dad thought he was going to do or a grunt. So he doesn't have all of that concern. So many people are worried about their own shit, their own shit in the show or in, in the war. They're not paying very much attention to Dean. So Dean doesn't have to be so macho and he doesn't have, have to, to, perform. to perform so yeah. much. So I feel like if you take Dean out of the context of Supernatural, this is very, very in character of Dean. Dean is cruel in the show from time to time because he doesn't have much of a choice, but everybody in that show is cruel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cast is a monster sometimes. Absolutely. Yep. But anyway, that's, that's my, my Dean love just attacking. (laughs) Yeah. Just wait until you get to me. That's everyone's going to want to leave once you get to me. Um, You like my love of Dean. You like Dean? Overwhelming. Um, (laughs) I, I do want to, because I think this is interesting that you bring this up, Bailey, because I've been meaning to bring up the fact that um, 
this fic while we were talking about it reminded me of Brokeback Mountain all of a sudden. And Bailey says at one point in the letters, I do see a bit of Brokeback, which is why it's so important to not only see people who are like us in media, but also in a positive light in real life. Um, yeah. And I, and you know, it was so funny because when I was listening to everybody talk and then I'll get to you, Tanya, just a second. Um, it reminded me so much of, you know, we started off pride talking about Brokeback Mountain and talking about Moonlight. And both of those are very similar stories in a lot of ways where you have one character that is a lot more um, boisterous and out there. And then you have one character that is really internal and withdrawn. And so you have a lot of pain and a lot of pain in those. And it's, so it's interesting to also have this where all of these stories are set in different time periods. Cause you've got this in world war two, you've got broke back in the sixties and then you've got moonlight in more present day. So it goes to show you that this is a struggle that sadly is still around and it's just keeps lasting and lasting and lasting and goes on and goes on. And there's different iterations of it, but it's just, it's kind of heartbreaking to me that you still see that. And that's why it's still important to show these stories, but it's also important to have stories that also show some hope and some positivity and that it's not just all about tragedy where it doesn't show that this, that anyone, the LGBTQIA plus community, that their whole life is going to be tragedy. So, yeah. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I've been thinking about that the whole time we've been talking about that (laughs) is the similarities. So yeah. And Tanya, what are your thoughts about Dean in this one? I think Meg is like biting, chomping at the bit to say something real quick. Meg? No, I just want to say, it reminded me of that little part where, I'm sorry, I'm just going to go on, where when Christine talks about, he's like, there's so much to be scared of, because Cass is asking him, he's like, aren't you scared of this? Like, meaning the two of them. And he's like, there's so much to be scared of. I couldn't handle being scared of this. And I think, and I just wanted to throw that out there as one of my favorite Dean lines mm-hmm. um, that doesn't include a swear word. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, I, I love that. I So, I think everyone has covered it really well, but I will add that I think it's interesting that the themes you mentioned keep coming up in, in these, I haven't seen Moonlight. Um, in Watch some of now. these, okay, <laughs> yes, it's going on the list, okay. Log I off. <laughs> okay, I have a lot of candy, so I'll be good for, anyway. Um, Yeah, but it's, the reason that keeps coming up, I think, is we live in a society that is, patriarchal, that is heteronormative, that is cisgender, um, that is characterized by by white supremacy. So even folks who identify in these marginalized groups are going to have internalized prejudice, internalized oppression um, toward themselves, uh, toward other groups. So we see that in some of Cass's reactions to Dean's overall acceptance of his identity, like his his bit about not really questioning he likes both men and women, right? And he um, doesn't feel shame or feel that that's wrong. And they explore that a bit. And that's to some extent due to Cass's um, religious influence as well in, in the fic. Uh, and I think that that's very, that's very reflective that um, people who are gay can have bi phobia and discrimination because at one point, and I don't know that Cass is even discriminating against Dean, but at one point he's like, why would you? want me when you can be normal, right? When you can continue to pass as um, as a straight person or in a straight relationship. And I thought that was an interesting way to bring up both the concept of internalized oppression 
and the concept of um, some marginalization, marginalization within identity communities. So I, I also I would add that I think this entire fic, it's like a meditation, the Dean character as, as Judy and, and others and Meg have referenced and Carla, I think as well. It's like a meditation on who Dean would be without John, without, without John's like overbearing, you know, personality, or um, if he were truly able to have agency to choose what he would do, he'd focus on the saving people part of saving people hunting things. Like maybe that's a way to, to view this. Um, and I had one more thought there and I, it, um, it went out of my, it went out of my head. Oh, Houdini is, I kept thinking you were saying Houdini, like Houdini is, he's Houdini. Uh, he's there. He's not there. He's in there. He's out in there. He's magic. Uh, all right. Anyway, that was probably my, my stupid joke. Houdini is, Houdini's. New phone, Houdini's. Houdini's. Uh, all right. I, we're doing was, really, we're doing all these corny jokes in Dean's yeah. honor. Uh huh. That's right. Yeah, it's, I it's feel intentional. that energy. Yes. It's intentional. Yeah. And yeah, I, I really appreciate um, your comment there uh, about the religious trauma because, yeah, yeah, it, um, that is, that is tough. Like it's, um, some of this you have to kind of caution people. It's not a, I don't want to say this is like a sad gaze World War II story because like that's that's not the the point that I think what oh that was my other smart point I got there see if I just talked long enough I'll come back that's what Carla and I do except we never find the point the point was (laughs) their identities matter because it enables the the relationship and it's important but it is absolutely not the only important thing about them they um continue to have a relationship spoiler spoiler alert i guess and but they have to deal with their trauma they have to deal with their crap and they both continue to have other people in their lives and well cast less so but um yeah they they are fully formed individuals where their sexual identification is a part of them and their relationship is a part of them but it's not the only thing about them so you know it's real in that way yeah okay uh Get ready for an onpouring, uh, outpouring of, of love for the way Dean is in this fic. Because as everybody knows who's listened to more than like five episodes of this podcast, Dean Winchester. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dean Winchester is the most important character ever in my life, ever. Fictional character means more to me than any other character. I relate to him more than any other fictional character. And I'm very, very defensive of him, which I know sometimes can be in the wrong, but I can't help it. Um, And watching him on the show and reading him in fic and writing him in fic has been a very uh, therapeutic and emotional journey for me. And that's why I have so much, so many issues with this show after mid season 11, because of the way they treated Dean was very heartbreaking to me and pissed me off. And I'm not talking about the sexuality thing because I actually don't think that's what Dean's problem is in the show. I think what Dean's problem is always, and there's a bit of that in this fic too, is, and I know you touched on it, Meg, is Dean does not believe he deserves to be loved. Dean feels what his only sole purpose is on this earth is to 
um, sorry, I'm going to start crying, uh, is to take care of others and to provide that for others because he's not worthy of that and he's not worth that. What he's worthy and of. And he's never had that. Yeah, nobody takes care of Dean. Yeah, nobody yeah. takes care of Dean because that's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah, sorry. I keep I was like unmute and then think I, and then mute and talk. I just think he never had that. No one's ever taken care of him like right. that. So he wants to give that to other people. Yeah, and he doesn't think he deserves it anyway. Um, and what I really appreciated in this is what I find in other fix is people like to characterize Dean as not feeling and that he's not an emotional person. And he's the most emotional character on the show. He has more emotions than anyone and he feels deeply. And even if he doesn't say it, it's not that he's emotionally repressed. It's that he doesn't think his feelings matter and he doesn't think anybody will give a crap. And so if he says them, he will lose everybody in his life. And his job is to be a good soldier, be a good medic, be a good brother, be a good surrogate father, be a good friend, be a good lover, be a good, that's his job is to take care of you. And you, the way you really see it in this, like Meg mentioned, is he keeps going back to this person who is, for all intents and purposes, is rather abusive to him and is rather cruel to him. But in Dean's mind, that's better than nothing. And that's really what he deserves in his mind. And to see that written in a fic and not to have it be like Dean has this internalized homophobia, which I actually don't think Dean has that anyway, but to see that is um, just so refreshing. I think what Dean's intern internalized phobia is about not necessarily homophobia. I think it's more, it's this internalized thing of if I really allow myself to feel the way I want to feel, if I allow myself to open myself up to these feelings that I have and to who I really am, I am going to lose everything because people won't want me to have that. And that's where I think a lot of that comes from in the show and in other things. And in fic too often it's written as Dean is this bastard dean is this mean and cruel guy and you don't want to get in his way and i'm not saying he's never done mean and cruel things because he has um but he has heart so much heart he has more heart than i think a lot of people give him credit for um but so that's i just really appreciate in this fic that dean is handled with such love and care and he's treated like he actually matters. And too often, I don't think he's treated that way. It's kind of like writers treat him the way that he thinks of himself. <laughs> and it really always, it just breaks my heart and when I read that. That's why, and that's one of the reasons I stopped shipping them. And that's why when reading this was so refreshing. I remember I told Carla that, that that was one of my favorite things about this. Because if you don't have that, in it, I won't want to read your fic. I won't care as much because it'll just make me angry because it feels to me like you don't actually know the character to me. Um, and it's always a thing I've struggled. And I know that I am a fan of Dean to a level where I probably excuse stuff of his that I shouldn't. But he just is such a beautiful human being who deserves so much more than he is given and so much more than he allows himself to give. And on the side of not having Sam in this, I don't like Sam. As people know, I'm not a Sam fan. I just am not a fan of his at all. And so whenever there's a fic that lacks a lot of Sam, 
what, 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 what they've <laughs> said before. The best, the best fanfic Sam is a Sam that is not really in the fic. <laughs> and in this way, 91 Whiskey really, really has uh, has my heart in that. Okay, here's something that I really kind of love about that, though, is so Sam's not in it very often, but I love in our letters to Sam that we get from Dean. We never read any of Sam's letters to Dean, but I think it's such a brilliant writing tactic of moving Sam's life along forward and, and, and showing even that life is happening outside of the war. It's so beautiful when Dean is writing back that he is responding to stuff that Sam has told him in his own letters. And we get to see Sam's relationship with Jess grow and, and all of this kind of cute things. And, and I think they just do a really, really good job of it. And Aaron, I don't love Dean as much as you do. Cause I feel like there's no one on the planet who <laughs> loves Dean probably as true. much as you do. Um, <laughs> but it is one of those things where I just, that's, what I love so much about how he was portrayed in this but, fic. And I think this is kind of why I love this fic so much. Maybe there's someone in heaven who loves Dean as much as Aaron. Yeah, the <laughs> only person who loves Dean more than Aaron is Cass. <laughs> it certainly isn't Dean. <laughs> no. True is, that. <laughs> yeah, but it is really heartbreaking. And, and I wrote in the comments because I'm trash and I'm commenting while other people are talking, so I don't interrupt you guys. Um, but it is, Dean is just, he's desperate for love in this fic and on the show, but in this fic, he, he, he loves him. He loves Cass so much. And I love how we see that he just doesn't understand why. And it shows so much his lack of self-worth that he keeps going back to someone who treats him terribly for most of this fic. Um, Cass really treats him awfully it gives him all these mixed signals and i love when dean is like if if he's like here's what you have to tell me you have to talk to me you have to tell me what you want you have to say i want this but i want to pretend that i don't want it so at least then we i know where we stand if you're going to pretend you don't want something and actually want it that's fine just let me in on that game like like let me be a part of what's going on in your head because we hear a ton of what's going on in Cass's head and dean never does <laughs> and it's just i love dean yeah 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 i and i and i do say i appreciated when dean was you know like when he was with a woman in this and Cass got upset about that and and dean saying well you know at least this person isn't treating me like basically like i'm complete trash and, well, and then Cass's um, jealousy when he hears dean not being quiet when yeah. he's mm -hmm. with this woman and 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 how that kind of just pours into like this poison in Cass's brain when it comes to Dean in this particular part because this is right after Anias is killed, and Cass is like, Cass is like, after he was taken to heaven and brainwashed and punished and received revelation at the end of season four of the show, he's just like, when he is just like, what are we going to end? We weren't anything there was never anything between us and just completely shuts Dean out. That's, that's the area where I'm just like, you know, it's really hard to forgive this cast. I can't believe Dean can. Cause I barely can. <laughs> but, and see, I think that also speaks and welcome back, Judy. I'm so glad we got you back. Uh, but I think that also speaks a lot to who Dean is. Dean forgives a lot. Dean forgives more than anyone really should forgive honestly a lot of times uh he 
he's forgiven his father for a lot of things in the show that he shouldn't forgive his father for. Um, he forgives other people for a lot of things that he shouldn't forgive them for. And so that's another reason that this characterization is so spot on. So yeah, yeah. He just, um, he just breaks my little heart <laughs> a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot. I love him so much and miss miss him and especially in the earlier seasons when they seem to actually give a crap about him um so we did already talk a lot about their relationship and and some of the switching viewpoints so what i want to ask is are there any other characters in this that you want to speak on at all carla and ice and ice and ice wallace wallace comma and ice he's lieutenant wallace <laughs> he's you know for somebody who played like such a tiny, tiny role in the show, I really, and that's part of why I appreciate that they used him and not like Gabriel or ba or Balthazar or, some, or somebody else, like a lot of fics do. They'll use one of those characters to be um, Cass's, you know, either brother or cousin or a best friend or whatever. But I really appreciate that it's a character that we barely really get to know in the show. And the way that, that his role was fleshed out and the fic I thought was beautiful. Like it really, Anais really gave Cass kind of something to live for, you know, until his relationship with, with Dean happened. Um, Anais was his best friend and like best friend in a really true deep sense of the word. They've known each other forever. They've seen each other through everything. Anais knows everything about Cass including his sexuality and he you know there there are ways that you can read this and say well he's still not he doesn't stand up for for him when when people are, are making fun of when people are are you know gay shaming or whatever um but it's like you know it's almost like how much could he really do when they're in the army and it's all a bunch of of dudes and this is the 1940s and so there are like a lot of of things that go in there so i don't hold that against... he also does a little bit though it's not necessarily for bit, though, cast no. when 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 they're in that cafeteria and they're uh, yeah i'm gonna interrupt you i'm sorry i'm just um, saying he does a little he does but i think that you know like if you read it from a modern point of view you could think oh my god he could have done so much like, he really couldn't have like there's a very limited amount that he could have pushed back and not given away Cass's secret. Um, so I, I think that that he he does a good job of of balancing not only that but also Cass's personality because Anaya is really he, he he loves Cass. They they have such a beautiful friendship and a beautiful relationship, and um, there's almost like a like a tug of war between him and Dean because. You know, it's like, I, I think for Anais, it's like he, he never really expected somebody to come into Cass's life and take his place in some way. And here's Dean and suddenly Dean has Cass's attention. And, you know, so there's like a bit of friction there that I felt was really realistic because um, a lot of the times when you're when you're young and you have the circle, circle of friends that you've always had, and suddenly they start pairing up and moving on without you 
you are kind of left kind of feeling bereft like you know you're taking my 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 best friend like what's going to happen to me now so and especially because they're they're far away from home we don't know what's going to happen to us you know like i'm i'm really i was really counting on on you know on on this time with my with my bestie so it, and there was so much of that love between them that you could see in in Cass's eyes as he's talking about Anais and and all of that, which is why I mean, his death was one of the hardest sections to get through in the fic, um, because not only because you come to care for Anais as a character, they really uh, they really do a great job of building up a person that you can really kind of feel for, and you have you know you you care about Anais. So it's but it's not just that loss that you feel you also feel this huge gap now in Cass's life and he really at that point doesn't really have anybody to turn to and really let it all out because that would have been Anais and no matter how he may feel about Dean and Dean may feel about Cass they don't have that you know 20 plus year history to fall back on they don't have that easy um uh camaraderie and rapport uh, so it, it really, it, it just, I, I think that that's one of those, those parts of the, of the book, because honestly, it's, it's, it's a novel. It's, you know, it's a piece of literature that, that just broke my heart. And I, I, after Anais, um, dies, I, I, I was like, I don't know that I can keep reading this, you know, I, it just, it, it's a huge blow if you're reading it and you've become so attached to them and because it's, it's so it's set in a war, you kind of expect that, you know, people around these guys are going to die. And while we do get our two protagonists to the finish line, losing an eye is, does feel like a loss as a reader too. Definitely. Yeah, I'm gonna jump in if it's if it's all right. Uh, I agree that character. I don't even remember that character in Supernatural. I know it's a reference, but it's such a well developed character in the in the fic. And you really, it's really interesting to have. Um, he's basically Cass's family um, or family surrogate at that at that point. He knows uh, he can see that um, he's falling in love with Dean and he gets to say that great line. Oh, you're stuck on the Winchester kid. Just like you might want to find some fandom thing merch to stick on your. Oh my God. You're amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. I love, I love how you made this like, poignant line. Meanless. This poignant, heartbreaking little line where Anais realizes he's no longer Cass's person. Into an ad, yeah. That was just thank you. Flawless. Going into marketing. Hashtag, boom. It's um, I don't know. Yeah, no. I I wrote that down like <laughs> an hour ago. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you. That was pretty incredible. John takes notes on ads. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how can I make a joke? No, because otherwise we'd just be crying. Like about I'm I'm. If you can't tell. I have that in common with somebody we've been talking about, Dean. <laughs> I always get I always get Sam when I take the quiz, but I, I I really identify with different aspects of Dean. I think a lot of the reason 
Okay. The reason a lot of women identified folks love Supernatural, of course, is, you know, it's great. We love sci-fi and action too. And the, the leads are, you know, okay to look at. I mean, they're not hard. It's not a punishment. Yeah, it's not terrible. Um, But I think the other reason that we don't get as much credit for um, is we're not just, you know, thirsty fan people, although there's that as well. Um, It's that we identify with that, like Dean and, and even, you know, the friendship. I know we're supposed to be talking about other characters, but like, I really feel like a lot of women can identify with Dean because he's, he's put in this role to take care of people. And in this fic, we really see that so much so that he's not taking care of himself. And then Cass, I, I had another thing going back to Dean that Cass has to learn what Dean's love language is and, mm-hmm. and that um, he's sort of figuring that out the whole time. Uh, yeah. And Anais's love language is, um, you know, looking out for Cass as well and like, hey, babe, and calling him babe and also checking on him when homophobic things do come up. You'll, Cass will be like, I can see Anais looking at me, but Anais is also trying to I think in a lot of ways protect Cass, even though it's not always the most inclusive way or the way we'd want to be an ally mm-hmm. today, right? It's he's like, you have to be careful and um, also like trying to make sure Cass is not revealing emotions. Um, so yeah, so that's that's tough, but you understand that it's coming from that place of protection. Well, and I like when you talk about his like, hey, babe and stuff. I like how it kind of feels like Anais is so overtly friendly with Cass and with other people to kind of give Cass a little bit of a little bit of a buffer to be like, it's okay to touch someone where Cass is so closed off. Cass is very much like if I even make eye contact with a man, they're going to know they're going to know that I'm that I'm that there's something wrong with me in Cass's point of view. There's nothing wrong with him. And Anais so much is like there to break the tension and he's and he's that friend it sounds like really kind of obnoxiously self-indulgent to say um he's like me in that i drag my friends like kicking and screaming into stuff (laughs) Um, i'm here to verify that yes (laughs) like i i am the friend shy friends need because i'll be like yeah we're absolutely gonna be doing this and you're gonna come with and i'm gonna make sure that you feel safe and comfortable in what we're doing. And Anais is very much that for Cass because Cass is not only so repressed and in pain, um, he's also just awkward (laughs) and weird and not into the same things that other folks are into. Um, And I think it's really interesting too that Anais, as much as he loves Cass, he inadvertently really, really hurts Cass. Um, even when he's just like, boys don't do that. We can forget that ever happened. Really kind of invalidates Cass when they were kids and Cass kissed him because Cass had a crush on him. Um, I also love that his issues with Dean and Cass have nothing to do with really the fact that Dean is a man. He's not like, he's like, hey, I like Winchester. He's a good guy. He's a fun guy. And I think you two are cute together. However, we're in a war zone and maybe you could focus on your job. Instead of the pretty boy. <laughs> but I feel like like even if Cass had been straight and Dean yeah. were a girl, he would still have been like, hey, exactly. I get yeah. your first. Yeah. I, yeah. And well, that's the thing is, I, that's what I love about it is like none of his issues with Dean and Cass have anything to do with the fact that they're a same sex relationship. It's just like, hey, I was here first. He's my bestie. And also 
Um, we got to go kill Mr. Hitler. Well, and their relation, <laughs> the whole the whole fact that they're having a relationship with Cass as the commander and yeah. Dean reporting to him. Like, we didn't even talk about that, but did, that's really problematic. Like, the power yeah. imbalance and the fact that, you know, they were engaging in this, you know, I have to call you sir. And oh, my God. Get- I, what I love... I love so much when, when they first kiss that first time, and Dean's like, "Are you sexually attracted to me?" And like Cass is full blown gay panicking, right? And then <laughs> Dean kisses him, and Cass kisses back, and he's like, "Oh my god, I'm kissing a colleague." Wait, I'm kissing a subordinate, and then loses all of his brain. Like I love yeah. that it does call back there that Cass is like, "I am kissing my senior medic. Um, I'm in love with a subordinate. This isn't cool," and he just keeps doing it. Yeah, they're a little they're a little toxic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The power imbalance is is definitely a problem. It's very toxic. And at times you're reading it and it's just downright cringy. You're like, oh, God, you know, like, no, it, it would at the very least. You I need kind to of put, thought the you need to put the, was a little hot, though. I'm not. Sure. <laughs> you know, at the, at the very least, I feel like they should have put the Sir Sergeant stuff away when they were. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Cass yeah, needed that though. Cass needed to be able he, to have that. He did, but it's it's very problematic. You know, like oh, yeah. you, you well, can't whole, you can't be engaging in those kind of relationships with your subordinate, especially in the military. Like that that that's a lot of problem. <laughs> yeah. You can use use that language if you're in a particular type of relationship right. and it's okay for you to if have we've all agreed particular... to safe what is it safe sane and consensual yes, yes. <laughs> there was yes. nothing it's sane consensual. about this situation yes. True. <laughs> judy were there any characters that you wanted to talk about any of the other characters outside of the two main i mean in anias too i mean i i loved um what she did with them a little part of me would have liked to have seen it be like gabriel or balthazar or something just because we know them so well and you know you can picture them and hear them and see them where you know anias might have had five minutes of screen time so he might as well have been an original character um but I do love what she did with him and how much she built him so that you really cared. And again, he was complex. You really loved this guy. You knew how much he loved Cass, um, but he was also hurting Cass unintentionally at the same time. And that there was just such a complicated push pull. And I mean, how many of us have been in those kind of, um, not really trio, but that kind of relationship in our own lives where, you know, maybe our best friend was jealous when we started dating somebody or vice versa. Like people can get possessive of love, even though it's an infinite resource. Um, so, yeah, people that was weird. Yeah, people get weird. They and, do. You know, with, I mean, with, look at the, the whole Sam Dan cast thing. You don't I have mean, to the- call me out here. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know, there's a big that. portion of the fandom that <laughs> thinks that, you know, Dean's love is finite. He can't love Cass if he right. loves Dean, mm-hmm. Dean or Sam, and he can't love Sam if he loves, like, love is infinite. You, do, It's not pie. So yes. and there's <laughs> all different pie. kinds of love. There's not Absolutely. just romantic love. And but, I think that's what's yeah. cool about I mean, that. I, like, I think we could argue that for Dean, love is pie. Well, that's pie true. Pie is love. But um, 3.14. <laughs> <laughs> Um, bring that up. Sorry, go uh, ahead. Another, that's sorry. Another character I just wanted to 
bring up a little bit. I just thought it was great what she did with Charlie, um, yes. how she brought a, a transgender character in. It kind of, to me, it was like a callback to Christine Jorgensen, who, if anybody doesn't know, was a um, transgender woman who actually went and fought in World War II and came out and became famous um, for her gender transformation after um after the war. So it kind of was a little bit of a callback to that. And I, I love the way in 1944, both Dean and Cass were a little confused by the situation and confused by, but they both understood that it's another brand of queer, you know what I mean? Like that mm -hmm. it's just a little bit different, but they understood like Charlie's queer, like, like we are, but a little different than we are. So I, I thought that was really cool what she did with, um, with Charlie. Yeah. yeah. I, I just wanted to hop on. I think I actually really loved the fact that Anais was not Gabriel or Balthazar or anything. Not because I don't like Gabriel or Balthazar. I loved Gabriel in his role um, mm -hmm. as kind of always like munching on a sweet or like, or is it the D rations or whatever when eating the tiny bit of chocolate they have. I love that. What I loved about Anais not being him is we all have preconceived notions on who Gabriel is and who Balthazar are and, and who those characters are. And I don't think either of those characters really fit with what Cass needed Anais to be. And he could have been much more supportive of Castiel, but you have to also think in the context of the time. He was as, a, as supportive as you could imagine um, someone being, yeah. honestly. At that time, he never really disparaged Cass. He he did say the the boys don't do that, but to him, boys don't do that. Mm -hmm. Right, um, there's a huge gap in education when it comes to a nice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's not like like right now, like we can hop on on Twitter and meet just like tons of people who are different from us in one way or another. This is like yeah. a very limited resource pool that's already suppressed. Yeah. And that you don't have access to. And when your only person is that one person, then, yeah. then you know, and that's why, why I was saying, you know, from a modern reading, it is kind of like easy to be like, that's not okay. Why didn't you, you know, do more? Yeah. Better. Right. But it's because the times and whatnot. Yeah. And I just, there's only one other character I wanted to mention and only very briefly, Cole Trenton shows up for 15 seconds and Dean beats the shit out of us for saluting Cass. And that's one of my favorite, like, yes, please. That's that the only time, the only time. That's the only yes. time I want Cole in any fix is Dean beating the, beating the crap out of him. Beaten up. Yes. Accepted. Yes. And I, and I was going to mention uh, Charlie. I thought that it was such a beautiful thing what they do with Charlie in that. I also love that because this is a war time there aren't very many female characters that we're going to be i love how they brought lisa in as elise mm -hmm. um i loved how joe harvell is still there as joe harvell it's just j-o-e and like donald hanscom and johnny mills yeah and i i just thought it was really beautiful how they were able to how the writer was able to bring in these characters that we love to be the background and to kind of paint this wonderful backdrop. And you feel the camaraderie between all of them um, so much and all the, and all the shit talking and yep. all the ribbing and giving each other a hard time. It felt um, real. It felt so it real. It felt really real. Yeah. And, and I did such a good job of making Cass 
a contrast to all of that. Yeah. Because they all like jive at each other and poke each other in the ribs. Like, like it tends to happen about like sexuality or being manly enough or anything like that. And it's interesting to see Cass's reaction to Anias calling him babe. And then that first time when he's at lunch with Dean and Dean calls him sweetheart and, and then starts have like poking at this bear until Cass loses it. And I just, I thought that was such an interesting way to show the stark difference in the relationship Cass has with Anias yeah. versus Dean, even in the very beginning. And when Cass teaches him how to say, I want to suck your dick in French. <laughs> Chef's kiss. <laughs> so I have to make one more little uh, character I'm doing observation. the best I can, Aaron. <laughs> Go ahead, Judy. Um, I loved um, Clueless Sam. <laughs> Sam was like, "You're what?" Like he just didn't get it, and that say and that Jess got it. I mean, like, look at all we all you have to do is watch these two make eye contact for like thirty seconds, and you know that they're more than war buddies. So I just thought that like clueless Sam not getting it at first was really cute, and then when he finally did understand, and of course was like accepting as much as you know you can be at the time, and probably even more so than most people would be. Um, so. Yay to Sam. We didn't get much <laughs> Sam in this fic, but what we did get, I loved. <laughs> and Tanya, were there any other characters you wanted to mention? I think we covered it. I would just say again with the what Judy had just mentioned about Jess and, versus Sam. Jess plays a really fun role in this kind of um, letting with Castiel. Like that, that's a cool scene um, where she's like, I I know and you're part of his family. And yeah, I think that was that was really well done. Because it did, uh, Bailey asked, just knew as soon as she saw Cass, right? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, well, I just want to wrap up with talking about the ending and the way the fic ends and what you thought about that, Carla. Um, I thought I was going to die a little bit inside because my fic was ending and it was ending beautifully and nothing could ever top that. The just, you, you just get these letters from, Dean that we've talked about before and how beautifully they wrap up that part of it. You get the relief of knowing that, that Dean is alive and that he, even though he's gone through so many awful, horrible things to come out to the other side, he goes through them and he, he makes it and that Cass, you know, he takes his time to make his way over to Dean. I think it's also important and significant for him because he has been through so much. So he really didn't need to stop and breathe for, for a little bit. And yes, deal with his fear. I think if he had gone straight to Dean, it may not have worked out the way that we that we get, simply because um, he really needed that buffer to let everything settle in his mind in some way or another. Um, trauma is so difficult to process, no matter who you are. And for Cass, in order for him to be able to move through anything, he really needs to ju just, you know, sit with it and um, and really deal with it like that. Um, and th just that beautiful, oh my God, that absolutely heartbreakingly beautiful ending where he's building up the courage to knock and then Dean opens the door and there's silence and it's just them looking at each other. 
And the only thing that Dean says is, hey, sweetheart, I mean, just cue the waterworks because it is the perfect ending to a book, the perfect ending. You don't really need much more beyond that. And that's why I think it was perfect. And yet there are timestamps and everything, which, which it's, it's nice that it's not part of the, of the novel, because I think if it had um, kind of accompanied that and, and been part of that, like this is just bonus fluffy, not fluffy, but it, it, it's bonus stuff that you get after, after that, but you've had a moment to really just enjoy this, this, this lush meal, really just take it all in and enjoy it and enjoy that this was the the way that it ended um and that it wraps it up so beautifully and perfectly and then you get some more and that's fine i think that that's like and you know it, it you don't really lose anything by not reading the the timestamps to be perfectly honest um I, they're nice to have but they're not necessary because like i said the ending is so perfect well, that's where you get Sam's reaction and stuff like that. You, Sam doesn't. Yeah, but we don't really care about Sam. The point is, well, we just talked. We just we just talked about it a little bit. No, 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 no. That's not but, in the actual. Okay, if I could finish. <laughs> but um, yeah, like the Sam point of view is really only there to kind of be part of Dean's of what of what Cass is coming into and to know that Dean is okay because I think more importantly than anything you need to know that Dean is okay before Cass even shows up if it had been Cass just showing up and you don't get anything about what's going on in Dean's kitchen and with Dean's life I don't think you, you'd have the same satisfaction as you do the way that it is written um because it just it doesn't give you the time to really have that sense of relief that yes this man is still alive and is still um whole in as many ways as he can be having gone through this that he has support that he has love that he does somebody to call, he does have somebody to call home um not some place but somebody but i mean like that's it's it's nice to have but like i said for me like what really just made it the perfect ending was that hey sweetheart at the very end and you just cry and and you know like want to kind of die in a, in a good way it, it's just it's beautiful I, I don't like you're about <laughs> judy your thoughts on the ending um first of all bailey we are not getting a fish that was an audible gasp moment for me <laughs> yes 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 i was like <gasps> Did you just say that? Oh my God. <laughs> Loved it. Um, yeah. So, so the ending, I, I too love the ending, Carla. Um, you know, the, the Hey Sweetheart. And when, when Cass was just so overwhelmed, all he could do was just burst out with, I love you. Like, and, and it's, you know, right. It's sometimes just this saying it like the show, you know, that was so cathartic for him and it meant so much to him that he could finally get it out, that he could finally be happy. So, yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, you know, it was still the 1940s. They still had to be careful um, and, and quiet, but I just love that they managed to make it work and they were so important to each other. Um, and kind of, you know, call back to what Dean had said, like, don't, didn't we deserve, don't we deserve some happiness after this? And, 
you know, we've just lived in fear for the last several years. Can't, can't we just, don't we deserve a little bit of peace and happiness of our own? So I just, I love that they finally, you know, found their little piece of happiness. Um, and I, I adored the two CODAs. Um, they really show that, you know, long after the war is over, um, it continues to stay with them. Like the war never left them for years and years. It's always a, a part of them that like that kind of trauma is just, just bone deep. Um, and they found this just kind of quiet domestic um, peace and, and happiness with each other that those are, those are like my favorite kind of, of, um, endings with them. You know, it doesn't need to be fireworks. I just love that. They just, they find, um, find peace with each other. And so that's like one of my, one of my favorite things, whether it's, you know, overcoming their past or finding, you know, happy moments like, like Christmas or even grumbling and arguing <laughs> like an old married couple. So yeah, I, I love the CODAs and I just love that they, um, they were able to overcome all that they faced and just realize that what they found was more important than anything else. Meg. Yeah. I think when Judy, when you mentioned just now, when Dean said, don't we deserve this? That was like such a, uh, like <gasps> moment for me because Dean is finally saying, I deserve something. I deserve to be happy. Dean who never thinks he deserves anything is like, no, we've earned this. <laughs> like, we, we deserve that. And that was beautiful for me. Beautiful for me. Um, to see from Dean. Um, I personally loved the ending. I thought it was, I know people who were like, well, thank God there were timestamps because that ending just kind of broke my heart a little bit. And I can understand feeling a little bit bereft at the ending of there because they're like, well, what happens next? Um, but I think what's beautiful about this story and about this ending is, you know, you don't have to be told that the these two people are going to be okay. They're going to be all right. They have each other. They're going to be okay. And I love the timestamps. I love the codas adding on. And I actually especially love. So when I get to the end of this book, when I get to the end of the chapter, the last chapter, I open another screen. I have my Kindle and then I have my phone and I jump back between Dean's letters and the dates they correspond with in the fake, like, it doesn't matter that I've just read it. I jump back every, like every single time I have them all bookmarked to make yep. sure that I, I know. do the same thing because it's just, it's, it, it adds so much. And I think what's really great about the second or the first timestamp is it goes by like 42 days later after Cass comes back 376 days later. And you can see how far they come, but how much further they still have to go. And if you want to see some of that domestic struggle, because there is a lot of struggle, there is a lot of PTSD there that they're both dealing with. You can have that. If you want to feel like Cass came to Dean, which I think it was so important that Cass went to Dean because Dean spent all of this time going to Cass over and over and over again. And Cass making that journey um, to go to Dean and to be with him, I thought was so, so important. Um, but if you want that ending, if you want to just like, well, that's it. They're together. They're happy. 
And that's it. And that's all we want to know. And they're happily ever after. And this was a magical universe in Kansas where everyone in Kansas in the 40s was fantastic with them. And it's beautiful. <laughs> you can have that. Um, <laughs> I know that the author, um, I was fortunate when the first time I read this, um, the writer still had their Tumblr active and they had links in it. And they're like, hey, originally this was going to be a major character death. But then she realized that if she killed Dean, Cass would just go home and kill himself. Like there would there would be nothing for him. And I love how she changed it. And I love how she changed it in a way that didn't feel unrealistic. Um, I know that there are some people, like I said, who aren't as big of a fan of this ending and need those timestamps. But I just thought it was beautiful. And I finish it and I immediately start it over again because I'm not ever I'm never ready to say goodbye to this version of these characters. Tanya, your thoughts on the ending? Yeah, first I wanna throw back to something Carla said. Um, if I could finish, um, that's what she said. And- <laughs> That's what she always says. <laughs> <laughs> Carla okay. and I have this wonderful ongoing thing where I cannot contain myself. I like how Jesse is like, Megan has admirable, admirable self-control, and I just don't at all. Not even a little bit. That's that's fair. I just had to get that in there. Uh, my that's what she said for the episode. Um, yeah, I, I, I that was... In there. That's what he said. Yeah, there you go. Put it on the bingo card. Yes. Yes. Yepers. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I I think the ending was satisfactory it was really it was tough um to kind of read the pain and trauma but i i think it it made sense to do that as opposed to a character death um and i do think this really exemplified the concept of home is not a place it's a person uh and i think that that wrapped that up really really nicely um and the timestamps are interesting i think i i could go either way with those, but I do think I like that they showed that these two had a relationship that was not perfect, that was still, um, they still had to struggle and kind of deal with each other's trauma. Uh, and they did so in a way that was supportive. Um, in terms of Dean saying, I, I had another thought, like in terms of Dean saying things like, you know, we, we deserve this and we deserve to be happy. It made me think about you know, some of our um, African-American veterans who returned from the war and were denied inclusion in things like um, the VA uh, homes and the, the GI yeah. bill and things like that. And it, um, you know, it, it, I found that parallel interesting in terms of what would that have, what would that be like to have, to have served for your, you know, fought for your country and to come home and be of this marginalized status um, in the, by the society and, and be denied some of the equality you were fighting for, for other people. And I, I, as a person of privilege, I, I don't, I don't have a great perspective on that. And I'm not a veteran, but I think that this offered um, some of us from those positions, some insight, a little insight into that. And then I've, I've read a lot about that history as well, but interesting. Well, thank you everyone for joining us on this. I think this was a really good discussion. It um, made me appreciate, I've, as someone who's only read this fic once and then kind of 
glanced over it <laughs> in preparation for this. Um, I did appreciate listening to everybody talking about it and how much it meant to you. And it just once again reaffirms that fanfic is very important and it's not frivolous and give fanfic the respect it deserves, please. So I just want to add that. So we're going to go ahead and close out. And thank you also to everyone who has watched and come in and out throughout. Really appreciate it. And a special shout out again to Bailey because Bailey is so incredibly supportive. She's one of the best supporters that you could have. She's practically a panelist. She practically <laughs> is a panelist. Yes. Uh, and, and special shout out to her too, because um, this has been a very rough week for me personally. And she sent me some beautiful, wonderful messages that I, that really meant a great deal to me. So thank you so much, Bailey. That really meant a lot. And I appreciate that. And you're just, you're, and thank you for supporting this show. You're an amazing human being. So I just wanted to give you a quick shout out there. Okay. So we'll go ahead and close out. And Carla, if you want to say where you can be found in the podcast as well. Do I want to be found? <laughs> Meg and I want to be found. Through our podcast, Bedwet or Behead Pod, which you can find through any podcast dealer. And you can also find our Twitter at Bedwet, at Bedwet Behead Pod, our Instagram, bed.wed.behead.pod, or on Facebook, you can look for Bedwet or Behead Podcast. And we will be there to brighten your day, much like the chipmunks. Guaranteed <laughs> to brighten your day. Carla sings bingo. <laughs> Uh, awesome then Judy uh, my main fandom presence is on Tumblr and that is angels watching over all one word um, I'm on Instagram but it's not really fandomy stuff but that is um, ballroom blitz geek all one word as well awesome thank you so much mm -hmm. and Meg uh, first I feel like I need to apologize to Bailey who said that this fic brought her into the supernatural fandom and I'm so sorry <laughs> Nah. I mean, not really. No, Supernatural fandom is awesome. Not with, really. With, a, with but... a few little, you know, like we get some problems. Like we get some problems. Oh, no. I cried, Carla. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We However, found each other I am not the Supernatural fandom. So. Exactly. So I am also I always not. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I'm also not even a little bit sorry. Um, <laughs> you can find me at Wisconsin Act, and I'm, in, I'm not going to spell it this time. That should see there should that should be my bingo card. Meg spells her Twitter at, and then Tanya, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at AK Nerd Fighting, and that's about 50 50 dumb jokes and uh, academic y stuff. So Good luck with that, I guess. Good luck to me. I don't know. So this episode is really a good representation of who uh, you are on Twitter. No. <laughs> you did the beautiful academics and That's a true. whole bunch of, of, of nerdy lame jokes that's, that's yeah that's fair Bad where joke. are your where's your Toblerone and your hot tamales <laughs> <laughs> just like this phantom thing sticker will be stuck on you <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah right next to my other um whoops i'm trying to cover up the naughty one which is it's my okay. wonderful <laughs> eat, eat doo doo 
You can eat doo-doo, which I know that was the best. That was, oh, that's a spoiler. I love that movie. And I know he's not capping that movie, but I think this was Steve Rogers' internal monologue a lot. Like you can eat doo-doo, you can eat doo-doo, eat doo-doo. I love, I love that you covered up the bad word. And I'm just proud of myself for going an hour without <laughs> dropping the F-bomb. No, you dropped one before you dropped the second one. I was you counting. Did. Oh, you did. No! <laughs> I tried so hard. That's I have okay. children. You okay. would be better at this. We tried so hard and came so far. so far. Anyway, I just tell my kids not to repeat it. Um, this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. I have been posting more on Twitter because Carla is watching Queers Folk again. And even though she breaks my heart because <laughs> she hates Brian so much, uh, it still is great to watch her fall in love with other things. And there's also things that will happen. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I, oh, I have to bite my tongue because I want to comment and say something, but it'll spoil something big coming up. So also, please go watch Queers Folk. You know, I rewatched it again for our show that's coming up and that show just, I mean, yes, it has some issues, but it's, it's so great and wonderful. So please go discover that show if you haven't already discovered that show and then tell me that you're watching it (laughs) and you can follow the show. um, And tell her all the problems you have with Brian. No, do not tell me all the problems you have. (laughs) One person having problems with Brian is enough for me. I get it. Brian is an ass. I get it. And he has a mighty fine ass too, but (laughs) so I get it, but I love Brian, Uh, but be sure to follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. Um, If you have any feedback, if you would like to potentially be on our upcoming Halloween trivia event, as if if you're like a creator, a horror creator, if you're a horror podcast host, and you would like to be on one of them as a co-host, not competing, please reach out to us at it's a phantom thing pod at gmail.com. And if you want to compete, look for more information late June, early July about little things that are going to happen. We're probably going to have the trivia nights happens on weekends and weekdays because the poll was completely tied. So I'm going to kind of make it a mixture of both just because I think that'll help too, since it's going to be a team event. And um, also feel free to reach out to us with any kind of feedback, any comments like that. I want to again say, if you want to support the show and help us continue to do these live streams and continue to bring you content and also help uh, one Black Lives Matter organization and one Stop Asian Hate organization. Please subscribe to the show today for just two ninety nine a month. Not very much at all. And you'll also get some bonus content, including right now you can listen to our Christian effing bail episode as many times as you want to. If you're a subscriber, if you're not a subscriber, you can't listen to that right now. So please go there. Um, I'm also thinking some of our bonus content might be discussing other fanfics. So if there's fanfics you want us to discuss in any fandom, pretty much, <laughs> go ahead and reach out to us about that too. And that might be one of them. And then, of course, you'll get shout outs on our live streams. And after six months of support, you'll get a chance to be on an episode or to determine a topic that we cover within reason. So please go to that link. I also put the link in the comments. The link, of course, will be in the show notes. The link is at any one of on our linked 
not LinkedIn. It's not called LinkedIn, but our thing of links. <laughs> Link tree, link tree, link tree. Our thing of links. I like calling it our thing of links. Um, but yes, so please just, if you want to support the show, to subscribe, that would be awesome. As far as our live stream next week goes, I'm not sure what it's going to be because I was trying to get some local drag queens, but I'm a moron and forgot that that weekend is pride weekend here in denver so that's probably not going to be happening um and so it will probably be a hodgepodge of discussing other lgbtqia plus stuff um so i mean you could also just have me come on and sing george michael songs (laughs) so our panelists are that are on here right now are invited to be on that one if they want to it would be at 6 p.m mountain standard time next saturday um, yeah. So, and Meg, were you going to add something? Yeah. I just, I wanted to say thank you so much. I know that Carla and I kind of bullied you into doing this episode <laughs> because we're garbage people who, <laughs> who want to, like Carla said, she will run down friends and family alike to make you them. You must go this. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much. Because I don't feel like fanfic in general gets nearly enough respect. And to have a whole episode of this dedicated to this, to any fanfiction, to be perfectly honest. Down to um, court. I've, I, <laughs> I've been ranting a, for about that one forever. That's a work in progress <laughs> at is. a million words, and I'm not ready for that yet. Um, but, <laughs> but this one in particular, I don't feel like gets enough attention within the fandom, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's so beautiful and it's such a beautiful story. And just thank you so much for letting us come on and really fangirl all over the place for this, for this story. Mm-hmm. Like, like, thank you for not erasing my insert line of the Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, you did? <laughs> not exactly, not exactly, but but pretty much. But pretty much I, I I was like, yeah, we should really like Carl and I really kind of dogpiled on Aaron a little yeah. bit about doing it because well, we just love we, it we so much. I appreciate that not only that you let this happen, but also that you didn't like turn around and block us on every yeah. way We're to communicate with you. We really we are. Oh, we understand. I have I one more thing, one more slight comment. I just I forgot to make <laughs> about ninety one whiskey. None of us talked about the sex scenes, which are dirty and not in the good way. Oh my gosh! How surgical, often were you going? No, you're too yeah. dirty. Don't as, put your mouth there. <laughs> as a as a person with certain anatomy i was like you would have a bacterial infection and maybe right. maybe people with that anatomy also get that but mm. i was very worried about the excitement over the surgical jelly cracked me up a lot oh God. and That's also funny. yeah i feel like There's it's so many it should things. be noted that these men did not shower for four months at a time That's that just is love. Them out there. Just that is love that, that is, is love. dedication that they is didn't horniness. even they didn't even get the the I'm not gonna say it because it's a bad word bath where you just wash the pits right and the yeah. crevices like they didn't even get that the they lady of just... the night bath yes <laughs> yes I actually working girl bath 
when we're not online on live, I will tell you guys what I said to my husband that made him be like, oh yeah, you're a classy lady. <laughs> I mean, when I was in a war zone, at, I didn't have a shower for four months, I must say. However, I was bathing in my little... Um, you had baby every single day. <laughs> and I definitely did my lady of the night bath. <laughs> yeah, I think that too. I thought that too when I was reading. It was hot it was and dirty and also trying not to think how just too close. dirty. It is. Too dirty. <laughs> like I think when the dirt that, includes that just didn't do blood about their and guts and yeah. gun oil. I, I just pretend that there's a lake nearby and that they went and bathed whenever they could. I, and that's I how love, it got around. That. I love that it was pointed out though, in like almost every and almost every time they're together, it's pointed out that it's how really, really man. gross. I know. Like when Dean when Dean does that thing that Benny told him his yes. cast would love because Benny's girl loved it. That's why I said don't put your mouth there. And then he tried then he tried to kiss Cass, and Cass is like, Oh yep. no, I just know where your mouth <laughs> I was like that's that's realistic. That's it the realism funny. I want in my Yes. Sense. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to say we're going to be so next week on our live stream since it does not appear that we're going to have um drag queens on like I was hoping um because we are going to be discussing RuPaul's drag race next week which I've been watching for the first time ever and it's been very interesting to watch uh so we're going to be discussing that that'll be a lot of fun so that's why I wanted to have that and then didn't happen but so we're going to do just more of a hodgepodge so if there's any movie television show anything like that that you want us to possibly if we've seen it talk about uh go ahead and let us know dm us message us whatever you want to do on that and and on our next non-streaming episode we already recorded it we recorded it last night we are revisiting queers folk and you think this is long we were uh, we stopped uh, about over three hours so uh, <laughs> a lot of that's going to be cut though. So it's not going to be a three hour episode, but it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a great panel. Carla was on there as well. And we had both Ishelle and Ken, the hosts of the amazing podcast, Liberty Diner Dish. And then we also had Danelle on and Danelle was the only one on there that has been on the first Queers Folk episode. So if you haven't listened to that, please listen to that first. That's our second most popular episode. And my goal is for it to become the most popular. <laughs> Carla was on an episode? <laughs> And she's also going to be on the Shit's Creek episode, which will be I, You know how I'm so shy. I, I don't know what's bringing this out in me. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Carla's basically. And then Carla's going to be gone for a long time, just preparing everybody. Unless she's on our live stream this next Saturday, she's going to be gone for a long time, which is just really kind of bizarre. Uh, <laughs> so, like, it Carla, feels weird for me. Time, I'll tell you. It'll be four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> And, and now I did work this. This actually is going to be a thing, but I'm working this in also because I know it, I know this is kind of cheating. But um, I want to also mention that I am thinking <laughs> that we can do a bonus episode discussing a movie that we love, uh, that a lot of us love. And we support this director a lot. We are actually, uh, we can talk about <laughs> werewolves within, but we're going to talk about scare me josh rubin who is just incredible and is going to explode i am telling you he's going to become the biggest thing and he deserves it because he is the nicest genuinely genuinely truly great person um in hollywood so if you want to watch this movie and you don't want to rent it although rent it uh go to shutter 
and that's where it's streaming. So I have a feeling that just got the bingo for Bailey. <laughs> yes, Bailey, you can continue to wallpaper your house in its abandoned <laughs> thing stickers. Look for more news on that. And yes, that did get her the bingo. <laughs> that's happened three. This is the third time that Shutter has gotten the bingo. <laughs> but if if Scare Me happens, I am there. I love Josh Rubin and I love Scare Me. So lots of little tangents there, but yeah, look for that. So I, I was already thinking of doing that, but then when I realized that would probably get a bingo, I'm like, I should mention this now. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and close out. And um, I'm going to also, once again, close out promoting our horror trivia event, which we, the video I'm going to play here. So I just want to say again, thank you to my wonderful panelists. Thank you so much, Carla, Judy, Meg, and Tanya for joining us. And thank you again to everyone who has watched both beginning, middle, whenever you hopped on, it really means a lot to me. So thank you so much. And until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and stop Asian hate. So thank you so much. Thank you again for listening to It's a Fandom Thing. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Our logo was designed by Brooke Belly with cover art by Carla Temmies. Additional research was done by Megan Archuleta. Our Instagram and Facebook content producer and creator is Erin Amos. And our producer is Lila Tafola. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe. And remember, keep that fandom spirit alive. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com